Welcome to the Challenge Chronicles. I'm Devin Jordan. I'm with Rob McIntyre and Trace Armstrong. We're here to talk about the Duel 2. We haven't done one of these in a while. Who knows when this episode will see the light of day. Most likely, you'll be listening to this before a lot of other people uh, will be because we're planning on having this be the first um, Chronicles season that we do part of our bonus Patreon. Um, So if you want to support us on Patreon. We appreciate that. You can, yeah. So, so lots can be changing with that depending on when you listen to this. So I won't get into it, to it here. A lot of that'll be on our uh, publicly available episodes. Um, you can always email us at the challenge chronicles at gmail.com. And we're also on our Patreon doing bonus episodes on challenge all stars, which when you listen to this, that will probably be airing as well. Um, so let's just talk about the duel too, since a lot of the housekeeping that we normally discuss at the top won't apply. So I thought these three episodes were incredible. Um, I thought like, so as, as we record this, we're watching double agents live, the end of double agents. We have just seen episode 15 of double agents. This like blows that out of the water. Like, (laughs) No like a lot of a lot of the criticisms that we have of double agents, I feel like the duel two is a remedy for right. So w- some of the issues that we've had with the length of the the missions, the mission in the first episode was like three minutes. It was incredible. They just like cranked it out, boom, boom, oh. boom, done. Well, well, it was also like that could have been thirty minutes if they wanted to, but they had yeah. you know enough behind them where they knew just let's just keep it snipping just show them getting the touchdowns then show them what they need to see they kept it super tight you know what i mean everything was super crisp throughout these episodes i thought well and yeah we'll get to it but i mean you kind of have to keep it succinct in the first episode just because of all the other stuff going on yes Uh, (laughs) so even in even in the first episode with everything that happens with ct that the actual airtime for that was much shorter than i remember it being you know what I yes. mean? That entire situation played out over the course of six, seven minutes of airtime, don't you think? Uh, I think it depends on when you, when you consider the beginning of the situation. But yeah, it, it's pretty succinct. It's not that long. For whatever reason, I remember that uh, lasting much like longer. If you, like, if you compare that to, like, the fight on Final Reckoning, for example, between Corey, Tony, Dev, like, that whole mess in that house where they, they throw the pasta and then it's that that's like 35 minutes if i remember correctly it's a long time so my something else that's interesting when i went back and looked at this and i feel like you have to keep this in mind when you watch the season and think about this season in general are the alliances that pretty much control the entire fate of the game right so i would it's it's not a secret that Landon, Evan, Mark, Brad, and to a lesser degree, MJ, are a part of this alliance at the top of the game. And when you look at the people who win the daily missions, who essentially control the power in the game, Landon, Evan, or Mark win every single mission. Every single one. Uh, And then for the women... It's like that, because when people say... Here, let me, and then for the well, women, when people say like, "What's the been the best performance by an alliance ever?" I think this one it depends on what you consider that to be. 
But like they're, they're just on even in the eliminations. Look at what proportion of the eliminations that the, those five won. It, it's an ungodly amount. Yeah. Yes. And then for the women, Brittany or Rachel win every single mission except for two, and they're essentially in that alliance because Brittany is Landon's partner and Rachel is Mark's partner, and pretty much all the missions that require them to have partners. Okay. Yeah, I think something else with the season two that I think is makes it unique is just like some of the setup of it. I think the elimination setup is super well designed compared to some other stuff we get around this time. I really like like the structure they have in the middle there. It's a nice way to keep everybody kind of involved in the elimination. And then of course we have to we have to get to the haka. I that that is out like that that All is right, such a highlight for me. That okay, was, let's start let's there about, let, and then let's, let's, let's run the down the cast. Let's talk about right. the haka then the cast. Okay, so, so I think with, if we have a power rankings of performance in the Hakka from least effort to most effort, who stands out? Evan Evan's is the best. Top. Evan's got to be most. I think. So um, tell people. So tell people what you're talking about when you talk when you say the Hakka, because some people well, may so, have no idea what you're talking about. They they really might not understand. But perhaps. So the intro for the season is: if anybody's seen New Zealand per- perform any profession in any like Olympic sporting event, they do this thing called the Hakka, which is. Look, I'm not an expert on New Zealand anthropology, but it's like a traditional New Zealand dance that they do before events, I suppose. So since it's in New Zealand, they have the cast do it. And Evan, of course, because he's like just the face of everything this season, basically, gets to be the leader. He's definitely throwing a lot of it down on the haka. Um, I would say Dunbar also puts up a pretty, pretty impressive performance in the haka. Jen, I think, is also going for it. Jen and I would even say, as much as I hate on Big Easy, man, he was giving it his all during the Haka, man. He was in. Um, DM is pretty good, too. I think low effort is a clear number one. Kimberly is just like, she's like, (laughs) (laughs) just does not know what the fuck is going on. That's the way to put it. (laughs) There's a few people, too, we don't even really see doing it. But the people we see, she's like, it's just nothing there. Yeah. All right, so... What was really funny to me in the opening is CT and Adam, of course, go home after episode one or in the middle of episode one, should I say. So two of the cast members that are around way longer than them aren't even on the theme because they filmed it before the incident. And CT, they they cut to Adam a good portion, like a good few seconds. That's like his most memorable thing outside of getting killed. Getting killed, which we have a lot to talk about with that, by the way. And ct is on there for like two seconds like it's like you blink and you miss it yeah so all right so this is my hot take so rob you have always talked about the haka as you think this is the first or second or third best intro correct i certainly think it's the one i most enjoy watching i am completely out on this intro like i don't enjoy (sighs) i I don't, I don't i don't enjoy this at all and oh. I, so I, I, that was kind of my thought before, before I had watched it for these episodes, but you guys had talked it up so much that I really went into this with an open mind. I was like, all right, like, I'm going to, I'm going to watch this all the way through. Like, maybe I was missing something like, l- let's give this another chance. I watched it one time and I was like, I don't think I'm going to watch it one more time the rest of the season as we, as we go through these episodes. So this is my so out there. Like, yeah, so the, like you- it's just so out there. This is the thing. A good challenge intro has three characteristics. It's cheesy, there's a theme, and there's a catchy tune. 
As far as catchy tune goes, th- there is no catchy tune. Can we agree on this that? This one does not have it. Okay, I'm with I you think there. It's fine. It is not. I'm catchy. with you on that one. Okay. Cheesy. Not catchy. You could make the argument that it's cheesy, but I think I don't know if that would be the best description for it. I think like it's it's almost like embarrassing. You know what I mean? Like it's I don't know like what you just <laughs> what you describe this as. And then as far as having a theme goes, there's kind of a theme, but they like half-ass it. You know, like they're there's doing the traditional theme. How they they're doing they're doing the dance. They're doing the dance, but there's no like outfits. You know what I mean? They're in jeans and like. Yes, you want to dress up it's like not... that episode from Survivor? Say that again. You I'm want talking to about dress so... up like that episode from Survivor. I'm talking about so in traditional in in the top tier intros, they're wearing costumes in the very very top tier. So in... like Snoop or something. Yeah. So Inferno Two. Inferno Two. The 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 pinnacle of challenge intros. They're dressed like they're going to their the high best. school proms. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's the catchiest tune you've ever heard in your entire life. Like, the moment I hear that, like, I, I just get tingles. You know what I mean? Like, I'm in, I'm in a better mood what, when I watch that. At what point, um, what, what, um, what other ones have uh, costumes? The, uh, well, it's, it's the, not even necessarily, it's not even necessary ruins, that they're in costumes. Ruins, they're wearing costumes. clothes that are more suitable to the theme of what they're trying to convey. Right, so like the well, I don't even think uh, that happens the, in like any other intro. So the one for the first gauntlet, right? They're all dressed up in like farm gear, kind of. You know what I mean? Like Mosley's oh, out yeah. there, like cowboy with like, gear, right? You know what I mean? Floppy hat, um, yeah. Well, but Mosley, the ruins, I mean, Mosley, the ruins they're wearing—that's just, that's just what he's wearing going to the the lunch. The the ruins—they're all dressed up as Muay Thai fighters. Um, in. What am I thinking of, Trace? You had Cutthroat. Battle of the Sexes 1. It was a giant 60s beach party. Yeah, in Cutthroat, they're all dressed up as secret agents, right? Or spies or whatever. Um, it's something vaguely like that. What are what are some... Give me some other seasons. What the did they island, do for... The video game one? No, but see, they're not dressed up in the island. Yeah, so that, that would be... Um, that would be something that... But they're kind of... I don't know. There isn't really a theme to the island, but it has the catchiest tune you've ever heard, right? It's extremely catchy. Uh, see, that's, I very much so. disagree. I think uh, it's, it's devoured it's by It's catchy Shinedown. in like an annoying way. It's catchy in like walking by like like some uh, Disney Channel kids song, I, theme song. I enjoy it, but so oh. I, and I can understand why other people would enjoy it. But the, so that, that's why that isn't one of the top tier intros, right? There are certain characteristics of it that aren't with the ones that are one, two, three. So I think, let's just do this right now. So one is, it has to be Inferno 2, right? At this point, can we even like yeah. make an argument for a different one? Well, I mean, it might just be a personal taste. Somebody doesn't like it, but Inferno sure. 2 is just pretty good. Inferno so, 2 has everything. It's cheesy, catchy tune, and it definitely is themed, but it's like over the top themed, which makes it even yeah. better. It makes it even yeah, more the cheesy. Thing is- I think I always appreciate something just being really out there, I guess. Yeah. So for me, like the Inferno 2 one might be better, but this one's more notable. Like this one's just like the one like. This is that, really that out there. Thing. This, this one's just, out there. Like this one in Inferno 3 are the two that are just like, what? what is going on? Like Inferno 3 when they're like on a safari. Like those are the two where it's just like. I think, when I, was, I think when I was growing up and I saw this, I was like, this is fucking embarrassing. You know what I mean? Like. 
Like I can't like tell people that I've watched yeah, this no, show. And I can't tell people that I've watched this show and them try and give this a shot and this is the intro and they're like, what the fuck am I watching? You know what I yeah. mean? Like I can't it's one of those things crap. where it does seem kind of like what is the show trying to do with this? You know what I mean? It's like borderline degrading. <laughs> Well, it seems to the like people of New Zealand, that. it's very degrading. <laughs> yeah, I wonder what the perception That's the one of this thing is about like it. Hair. I personally love this intro. Okay, like I love it because it's so bizarre, and it like all they could have done two little things to make it perfect. If they had had matching clothing, first of all, the fact that like some people are in like a pullover and some people have a hat on, just it just around. looks like they got off the airplane and said, "Okay, we're going to film the haka." You know, it's just like, what? Like, that's the way it came across. So it, to me, it doesn't get that cheese factor because they didn't sell it. Like, they needed to sell it. Granted, it was probably 30 degrees, so they couldn't sell it. But we'll move past that. The Rob, other thing keep they needed was they needed shots of, like, other native New Zealanders interspliced doing the hockey well, to the compare the how good they were versus how horrible the challengers were at it. Uh, it'd be, that, that would actually be pretty good. They do have the one guy at the beginning with the horn. In, Inferno, Inferno 3, they dress up as – they're, like, on the safari. Yes. And then what I was going to ask, Rob, is what's in the what's in the first Inferno? I can't even remember what the first Inferno theme is. Oof. Wow, it's a good call. I really don't remember. It's a yellow card song, isn't it? What is it? It's yellow card, yes. It's a yellow card song. The band yellow card. See, I, I like barely know who that And is. see, that was the season where the, the, the rips that I have on my Plex server, not every episode has the theme song. It's only like one or two because it was from like a marathon somebody recorded, so they didn't do the theme every time on the marathon. <sighs> Man, what is the Inferno? I can't remember really. What is oh fresh meat too or the first fresh meat? That's a good. Well, that's, that means a, lot. that's a video game where, one. He has the video game controller. Yeah, that's where TJ's got right. the video game. The, like duels, I think is pretty, the duels I think is really catchy, but I don't think the rest of it I think is a uh, lacking. The first, the first fresh meat is good. It meets all the criteria, except I feel like the song can be a little bit more catchy, and it's not cheesy enough. Um, I feel like they could add a little more cheese. Uh, I think they with the fresh. I don't like it when the people aren't like really there you know what i mean they're just like images of them that could be doing anything where are they doing that in the in the fresh meat fresh meat one because they're not like, like are they doing like poses and stuff are they even doing i think poses? they're there but they're not like there they're not i'm just saying but i'm saying like they're not there like they're, they're not they're not there physically which you knows because they're never there physically actually but you know what i mean like like with the with yeah. inferno 2 they're actually walking up to the car with this they're just like in a green screen pose kind of like the island yeah, like the island or the duel, actually, for that matter. There's a lot of seasons, or like any of the more mo- modern ones, like uh, uh, Bloodlines or something like that. All right, so let's go through the cast. So great cast, by the way. Like, yeah. there's not, there's only a couple duds here, but it's fine. I think some of the mid rangers could use a bit of a shape up. They're kind of all they kind of blend together a little bit for me, but so. On the men's side, I don't know why they loved to cast Derek McRae so much. What's his memorable moment? That was moment? I was going to bring up. What's his most memorable moment on the show? I mean, you have to remember with how more limited their casting pool is at this time. Like, sometimes you just got to find somebody to fill a spot. They only have 26 people on the season, too, which is kind of small for what they're doing. 
Derek McRae's claim to fame was on the Road Rules Viewers' Revenge season. He won several pits, which was like their version of an What was his competition again, those things? Yeah. And so like he was really good on that because if you remember on Gauntlet 3, they called him the pit crew or the pit king or something like that. So there was this unspoken thing that he was going to be this big force. The problem was is Road Rules Viewers' Revenge really sucked and was not good. The thing and is, you got the king of a very not good, good concept. The thing is, with the so Rose when Rose he got Revenge, against real competition, he sucked. Rose Rose Revenge has like a really good initial cast, though, which is the thing. Like it's got Veronica, Susie, Kina, Abram, Adam, and Shane's there too, right? Yep. Yeah. That's yeah. Then that's a, that's a pretty that's a pretty solid six. And then, yeah, then you've got just, the new people that show up: Tori, yeah, and some of them Derek. are okay. And then um, the issue is just, I mean, Abram like. That's one of Abram's weirdest moments. Do people even remember that when he punches Adam that season? They really don't remember that. And that's just so out of nowhere. So for the men on Duel 2, the top tier of the men's side is Stacked. incredible. Like legendary. From And, and they're all uh, like peak, peak performance too. Yeah, they're all in their prime, by the way. This is all of these people in their prime. From so it's Evan, Brad, Mark, Landon, and then even MJ from a physical perspective, it does pre- pretty good this season. I think MJ is kind of an underrated player throughout the the course of course well, of the he, he, It's just the thing is with him, he doesn't have the opportunity to perform that much. Like this season, he wins a few eliminations, but he's not able to get any mission wins just because, like Landon's the just people he's going against. Yeah, yeah, Landon's just in God mode this entire. Because even like no. th- if you think about it. Anytime is basically just how good the person is, like Landon wins. Because, like, the two missions Evan wins are just political vic- a political victory and then a spelling bee. And then Mark Long wins two when he's paired with Rachel. But Land- outside of that, Landon's just torching it. Um, yeah, the, the, when we get to that episode in this bunch with the rope mission, it's like Landon was just unreal. Um, so, yeah, he... Uh, Cause even think about, like, cause like you have them, and like Nehemiah, like we talked about, is good. He's just again, like he's just not winning because like he was on the wrong side of the politics, man. But he showed up in shape and he was doing well. It just the politics killed him. That it's also with this season. One issue, a slight issue with the format is it doesn't give like it's just first or nothing. Like nobody else is winning anything out of it. And then Trace's boy is on this season. Ryan Keel. Oh, yeah. Oh, he's tall. Don't call him my boy. My, my boy, my boy. No. I like Ryan as a cast member. It doesn't mean that I think he's awesome. He's just not as bad as people think he is. He This season for him, I mean, dude, th- there was no chance in hell this guy was getting far with this male cast, period. That's Nick Brown that- was debatably worse than him, and that was about it. How much of a conscious decision do you think it was from the perspective of the producers to not include anyone from the dominant alliance on the men's side from the island on this season? It was very intentional because they knew they were doing the ruins after this. They wanted a new champion or tried to get a new See, champion. that's all he so said, but if they want new champions, have a freaking team format. They don't just have two people win. They wanted to like do the, the only thing that this does, so then, but yeah, but then Evan's the only person, like additional champion. It would have been fine if Evan. It would have been, you know, it's probably a better season if Evan's on the challengers team instead of the champions team on the ruins. Because There's no doubt about that, but 
yeah, that was the, what I've heard the reasoning was, is they didn't want to put too many champions I, I can, on the I, season. I, I could see it where, one, the island was a very taxing season compared to anything else, obviously, on an island. And it's also like, I mean, they just did not come off great. Like, I, I could see it. it also, I mean, Dunbar's here. Dunbar was part of that alliance, even though he gets yep. launched. But that is an interesting them. point, is there's only two people on the male like, cast from the island, and that's Dunbar and Ryan. I mean, also, maybe they wanted to take a seat. Like, maybe Johnny and Kenny were like, look, let's just not have the heat on us again. And, like, why well, so are them winning this season? So there was actually a decent amount of time in between. I don't know about when it was filmed, but as far as the airing of the island in the Duel 2, there was about a good eight months or so. Actually, no, I yeah. did that incorrectly. So November, Wait, no, December, January, was... February, March, April, six months. Six months. About six yeah. months. Yeah. So that's, that's, pretty that's about standard for that yeah, period of time. Year. Yeah. They were for, two years now. That point. Yeah. Um, that's pretty standard. I mean, I, part of it, it could have been that partially, I mean, you've heard people who, like, you've heard of that happening where it's just a, a long recovery time. I really think about it just been from, like, a mutual decision from them and MTV. Like, look, let's just. Like after how last season went from a public perception perspective, it's best to keep you guys off TV for a little bit. Honestly, Rob, like I don't remember at the time there being like really like any public pushback. You have to remember. I don't that mean this public. Was, like, I don't mean public like a public outcry, but like they didn't come off well. Like, but I just think keep putting them on the bench for a season. I don't think it mattered back then, to be honest with you, dude. Like, like at really, all. Like <laughs> back was, watching the show during this era, nobody was complaining about their behavior publicly that I remember. Well, but they didn't have a forum to do that, though, really. Uh, and, and that's part of it. You know what I mean? That, that's yeah, why, it didn't like, matter. That's it, what it we mean, yeah. Yeah. This was – that was 13 years ago. Twitter was barely a thing at this point. Twitter came out in like 07, 08, and so like there weren't that many people on it. Facebook was just getting big. It's also like not that many people did that many seasons consecutively back then. That's also true. That was the other piece of this is they really did try to space out seasons. And at that point, Kenny and Johnny had been on three and four in a row in Kenny's case. So I think it was just time for a break yeah. in their eyes. Like Derek's on a, a few in a row, but Inferno 3, he's an alternate. So he's not really supposed to be on. He takes a seat on Gauntlet 3. Like they, they could, I, I don't think um, – I don't read that much into it. Uh, okay. So – for the men's side, I don't know if there's anything. We also have to remember, too, that CT was supposed to be on this season, right? And so if you lump in CT Which with all those... shape do you think he was in? He looked like he was in pretty good shape. So if you if you lump... He was in better shape then than he is in this season, for sure. Mm-hmm. Which, I don't, that's not really a high bar to clear, but, you know... Well, um, yeah. Um, it would have been interesting to see him and Landon going against each other on some of these missions. Yeah, there's. They had been on a season together in the past, so they were in the Inferno, uh, two. Inferno two together, and then they weren't in Landon's first season, um, but they did have some experience going against each other. Um, all right, let's shift over to the women's side. This is where things get a little murkier because the top half is really three people. You know, there's Rachel, surprisingly Brittany, because this is Brittany's first challenge. She, she's a really interesting clue. case for me. Yeah, I, I'm not. So I'm a really big Brittany fan. I don't think we've ever talked about this, um, I, dude. I so would have guessed that going in. I wish we would have had like. A, <laughs> Why? Oh, definitely. 
She's just like she's just your type of competitor. Yeah, I would agree. Um, yeah, I, I don't. I kind of like her too. I, I think she's. Um, oh, she's not doing a ton from a story perspective, but it's also not like. I think it was just a different time in the show where if it was now, she would have been more active. Yeah, I, I think the thing I walked away from these – I by the way, I watched five episodes last night. I was so hooked after the first three that I kept going. Um, yeah. I I was shocked that we never saw her again on the show because, A, she was well-liked by every – no one had a bad word to say about Brittany on this cast. No one at any point said anything negative about her, which is shocking for new people. As a rookie, the only person that called her in is arguably one of the worst competitors. DM calls her in at the end too, right? I see. I don't remember. I feel like DM went against Anissa. I think that's just us guessing DM went against Anissa. I thought she called. We should. No, it was DM and Anissa went one on one because DM got eliminated by Anissa. Fairly certain. But either way, no, it we was, never it was saw Brittany. her again. So, like, politically, okay, politically, Brittany would have been in a really good place on any season she did after this because she was good with Landon. She was good with Evan. She was good with Mark. Like, she was good with a lot of the power brokers. So she could have had a long career as a challenge person and been on the right side of the politics. So it really is surprising to me we never saw her again. I'd be interested to hear why we never saw her again. How do you think she gets in with Landon? He wants to be partnered with uh, someone on the female, one of the females that's a good physical competitor. I think that's what it is. So he just was, knows that almost immediately? Because it's pretty much from episode two. Like in episode three, he just grabs her on the ice block. Yeah, and I think that's what it is. I mean, I think they have... This is kind of where I go back to, and I say this about recent seasons. I think they have a pretty good idea of who is physically adept. You know what I mean? I think th- that comes across pretty quickly. I trust Landon's scouting more than I trust Nani's. So, <laughs> yes, that completely she, that. Um, Brittany was also on one of the few seasons of The Real World that I actually watched from beginning to end too. Oh, yeah, that's like a, for, a foregone season, too, where, like, it's, like, barely anybody from Hollywood is even on the challenge, right? That was a fucking wild season, too. That was when, do you remember Joey? Have you heard about that? I'm aware he of him. killed himself, right? Was that the dude that died oh, or really? OD'd or something? We went to rehab in the middle of the season. Um... We're getting dark early here. Man, I was not expecting well, I just, I'm sorry, like, I'm just, I'm, it was a weird season. Yeah, I think he, like, the whole thing. I don't know if he committed suicide, but he did pass away. I guess we should state that. I don't know. He if did he pass did. away. Wow. Um, and then Dan came from that season, who was on the island and never made another appearance. And then Nick, who was on this season, uh, and the ruins, was on that season. But both Brittany and Nick were replacements. Was Kim on that season? What season was Kim on? She was Real World Hollywood. I thought she was. Yeah. She was like the yeah. person who did the most seasons out of anybody. And, and Joey was an accidental OD. So when he relapsed, he accidentally OD'd. Okay, thank you for looking at that. He was on Celebrity Rehab too, I think. Yeah, he um, was because I remember seeing that. For whatever reason, that Celebrity Rehab show was on at a time in my life where insomnia was a thing for a while. Probably because I was working overnight shifts. And then when I quit working overnight shifts, I still couldn't sleep at night for a while. And 
celebrity rehab was on VH1 all the friggin' time. So somehow I wound up seeing every season of that show and I didn't really enjoy it. Really? But it was just on. The best thing to get you to help sleep. I think it maybe kept me up by the. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Let's do some of. Let's get into episode one. So episode one begins. They start the season in New Zealand. Or, well, actually, hold on. Before we get into. Let's, before we get into episode one. So what was. What was your initial takeaway for these three episodes? And was it different than kind of what you thought it would be coming in? Or did we both think favorably, think that we would think of these favorably and that's what it meant? Or was it a different experience? I've always loved Duel 2. It is a, I remember liking this season. I've seen it several times. But now that we've gone and intentionally watched these shows as part of the Chronicles, I underrated how good this season is because I went into this knowing I was going to like it. And then I liked it more. I really feel like I sold this season short in the past. You didn't have, he didn't have it in his top six from what I recall. It was not in my top six. It was an honorable mention or just outside the top 10. So like, I feel like I really undershot this season in my ranking. Um, You had it pretty high. I think I had like number three or something. Okay. I knew I had I, it in my top six, but I couldn't remember where I had it. Yeah, I think six. you had it pretty high up. I, I liked so I like the beginning and the end of this season. For me, it dies a little in the middle. But so I, I remember liking these episodes when I uh, go back to when, from my, my memory. I remember liking them. Okay, all right. Episode one. This season's in New Zealand. Uh, Kim is one of the first people to speak when they start to show the cast. Um, Kim talks about how this is her first challenge. She talks about how. On the show, they like to get rid of rookies at the start. Uh, Mark talks about how old he was on the first road rules. He's back. Paula says she had to have surgery to remove the knife that was stuck in her back uh, from the island. Uh, Brad says that Tori and her are now engaged. Rachel says that her relationship with Jen ended on the island. Evan said says that every big guy on the cast is here. Um we can yada yada through a lot of this. We get to TJ. Okay, well, okay um, one quick takeaway, real quick. Uh, Paula has a quote where she says that Lena's got to go back home, so she's not going to like mingle with him. Doesn't Dunbar too? I don't know. Who cares? It's Dunbar. Yeah, but there's that's definitely a plot. We'll we'll get there in a few episodes. That's definitely a plot line. I caught that it is a plot months. line because then he starts crushing on Kim and gets yeah, all that's upset. A whole, like that's like a. Love, Who love knew that. there would be women fighting over Dunbar? Like, that's <laughs> just not. No, I, I don't know. All right. Uh, also, Mark Long at one point says he would only come back if they did an individual season. Um, he comes back later for X's, obviously, which is not. But do we were they more forthcoming with what the formats would be back then? You think, or is it just Mark Long's got an end, so he knows? Potentially, or I think it may be one of those things where they tell them you want to do this season. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like this is, this is the type of yeah. season that you would okay. want to do. Just like how when for this last, for survivor season 40, when uh, Jeff called like Parvati, he was like, this is the one that we need you to come back for. You know what I mean? Like, and then like people start to piece yeah. together the other people that are on the cast and they kind of figure it out that way. But then you realize um, it's all winners before you show up. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So, they get to the yeah, duel I arena. Mean, TJ, well, TJ tells them it's the duel two. We're introduced to the elimination set. Rob talked talked about it before. This is a good one. Teammate TJ tells that everyone the format. Every challenge will there will be two winners, one male and one female. 
They will decide one person to keep in the game. That person will then decide another person of the opposite sex to keep in the game. This will continue back and forth from man to woman until there is only one man and one woman left who has not been protected. These people will then go into the duel. Each each of these people will pick one person to take with them to go into elimination against. Every person can be selected by these two people, except for the man and the woman that won the daily mission. And then Ryan has, the editors have fun with this. They randomly intersperse Ryan's comment that he thinks he's going to do really well on this because he's friends with every woman on the cast and that they're going to pick him. Um, so that doesn't last very long. Uh, TJ then not... says that there will be the problem final... is also the easiest target. Yeah, TJ says that there will be a final six. The winner will get a hundred thousand second place, thirty five thousand, and third fifteen thousand with prizes along the way. This is where we get the intro, and then we get back to the house. Easy says it's organized chaos. Uh, this is. Rob, what you mentioned, this is where Paula kind of gives her take on what she thinks about all the the women on the cast. Um, we get a, a hot tub scene with Brooke, I feel like we just got to get Davis. to the main event here, right? Say it again? I feel like we just got to get to the main event here, right? This is all a lot of... Uh, all right, here, we we, we got to get the build-up to the main event, though, yeah, I'll, because I'll, that I'll, is I'm, important. Yeah, I'm, I'll, I'll fly through I a mean, lot but of yeah, this, we're, so. we're 35 minutes in, and this, this is a, a burying the lead here. Yeah. Brooke, Ryan, and Davis have a hot tub scene together. Um, so th- this is where we start building up to it, right? So DM talks about her relationship with CT and how she saw how CT treated her on call at three and wasn't okay with it. Uh, she says that her she ended her relationship with CT and told him that her career comes first. And this is... That's such a like a slap in the face if you're a guy. It's just like fuck off. You know what I mean? And so th- th- this career comes first line uh, comes back multiple times within the next ten minutes of runtime. Yeah. Um, and I mean, and by the way, DM is an expert at storylines on this show. She did not watch Gauntlet three and break up with CT. In my opinion, I really don't think she. I mean, she might have been upset by what she saw. Maybe that was like the the straw that broke the camel's back. But saying that's the reason is not because of that career first line. Like, all right, the way CT was grinding that in the fight that is about to unfold in front of us, my first thought was is she decided to build her career and she did not want to get tied down to anybody. And so she she didn't. I mean, I think and it's so pretty she hard. She told to... CT career first, and then in five years we'll see where we're at. And maybe she meant it, maybe she didn't. But it came across to me like that's where why they broke up, not so much what happened on Gala 3. I mean, to me, it's pretty hard to, like, give an authority. I bet you, dude, if you ask a lot of people why they break up with somebody, they can't narrow it down to just one reason. It's just, yeah, like, monocausality is often stated, but rarely the case. Yeah, Pe- people do things for any number of reasons, right? Like, it, it, it's not always one thing. Yeah. Um, and that's why right, I'm so- saying, like, her saying that was the primary to me didn't ring true. It's like, that might have been the straw, don't necessarily believe that it was the main I don't reason. think she framed it that way. I, at least I didn't take it that way. That was I the way it. I took it, at least. So maybe other people take it another way. I took it that way. I, I took it as just like... I mean, for one, again, we're watching a TV show. So how what what they're showing up for confessional is one thing. But I took it as just that's one thing she saw that... 
And look, he comes. We we just want we watched the season not that long ago. He does not come off great on Gauntlet. No, he comes off really bad. (laughs) He comes off real bad on Gauntlet. Really bad. Like that's a he comes off almost as bad as that as he does on like these seasons when he's getting kicked off. Basically, like it's it's not a good scene for CT. Um, Yeah, it was like an act of God that he didn't get thrown off that season somehow. He, I think it's because much. DM kept him from getting kicked off, personally. Yeah, probably. <laughs> it, it, if DM's not on that season, he probably gets thrown off. He's gone some point. All right. Yeah. So that, that eases into the main event. Um, we're, we get a little bit closer here as Robin hears uh, what she thinks is Siobhan having sex in the bushes outside. Um, on the roof. <laughs> then, they show, that. then they show Siobhan and CT walking back into the house out of the dark. Other people confront Siobhan Siobhan about it. Siobhan is adjusting herself, by the way. She denies it. DT is too, isn't he? I don't recall. Robin debates on telling DM. um, They have a birthday party for Kim. Everyone dresses up. They start dancing. Um, There's some hilarious costumes here. One of the real quick things here, too. Well, real quick thing. Um, Is that from a different night? Because if you look at the night when they're in the fight and the night when they get in the the night when they're in the fight and the night when this happens with Siobhan, they're in the same costume, they're in the same outfits. That's a different. They're in different costumes during that. I they think are. so. Yeah, I think it's a different. I night. noticed this. There was a theme party where they dressed up because like Adam was dressed up as Urkel, and all this other stuff was happening. The fight happened on the night everybody wore their onesies that production gave them. I remember Evan telling this story one time. The night of the fight, they had gotten these packages, you know, that has all their Under Armour gear and stuff in it that they wear around the house. In it was a onesie, so they decided to have a onesie party. So we are seeing two nights interspliced to help tell the story. But that the other night isn't like relevant at all, really, is it? Which well, night? that's where some of the conversation between DM and certain people happen, and then it cuts to the next one where she's talking to Adam. So some of the DM interactions the case, are from though? two different nights. Because Wait, if CT, you... because look, if CT is fighting Adam the same night he hooks up with Siobhan, how is there any discussion yet? I don't think it, I think the hookup happened the first night and the discussion is happening the night of the onesie party. But they're in, no, because Adam is in a onesie when he fights with CT. He's in an Urkel costume during the costume party. Right. And CT speaks off with Siobhan. But I mean, the rest can, of the cast was it. not wearing the onesies during the other one. Maybe so. That, that is that is always a timeline thing here. Maybe maybe he just changed. Adam changes back and forth. Uh, but, what is Mark um, Long wearing in both? Does he have a onesie in one and not in the other? Yes, he's wearing the onesie in one, and he's wearing like the Brett Michaels outfit in the costume party. So I guess that the Brett Michaels outfit he's wearing that. I remember one. It is hilarious too with the CT Adam fight because everybody's in like these in onesies. <laughs> well, he's, no, he's in the Brett Michaels get up in the fight. Notice, um, and did Derek either of you and- notice? Did either of you notice how wasted Isaac is while this is going on? <laughs> so while like there, dude, I didn't know this. I've probably while seen this fighting, fight. Yeah. Like a dozen times, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I don't know how I noticed it this time. They just start going at it and throwing punches. And Isaac is like blacked out drunk, just kind of like I think that's part of the problem. I think they're all drunk. And then I think they're also all throwing like costumes. And it's like, one thing I was talking the other day too was like, the security then is so different than now. Yeah. It was just producers. Here, 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 let's just fly through the rest of this real quick and then get get to it where we can talk about it. Yeah, okay. um, DM asks Adam if 
DM can kind of sense that something's going on on in the house that people aren't telling her. DM asks Adam if he would tell her if something was going on and he knew about it, if he knew about it. Um, DM says that she doesn't want to look like an idiot. And then we finally get the moment where Katie tells DM in the bathroom that CT hooked up with Siobhan, or that's what people think. DM then confronts CT, and CT says that he hasn't done anything wrong, and career comes first. And then storms off, and at this point, CT thinks that Adam is the one that told DM that he hooked up with Siobhan, when in reality, it was Katie, or at least that's what's depicted on the show. And so That's what's edited to look like. Correct. And so CT... And honestly, like, I wouldn't be surprised if that's what actually happened, because that would be, like, really, like, unnecessary. You know what I mean? From the, the perspective of the editors to try and, like, show that, like, yeah. su- like subtle nature of what happened there. Um, all right. So CT storms off, confronts Adam, and tells him that, like, or I, I don't know. He confronts Adam. They start getting in each other's face. CT says... Um, don't Adam kind of like starts like touching him too. You know, they, they bump into each other and CT, CT says, don't touch me. Adam says, I'll touch you. If that you is the. All right, hold on. Let me, let me get through this. Yeah. Adam, this is the one thing that got me. You finish and then I'll come back. All right. Adam starts to touch CT. Uh, after he says, I'll touch if you want, he starts like touching him more. And then something that I noticed here that isn't very clear. And I don't know if I noticed this before. Notice Adam's right hand reaches off the screen and I think he may pick picks up like a drink and then pours it on CT's head. If you watch very closely here, or attempts to, there was something something that he grabs and like reaches to the top of CT's head, and that's when they kind of like break away more momentarily, and CT just like wallops Adam right in the face here. Do you think they added additional sound effects to this, or do you think that's what it actually sounded like? No, that's know, what dude. that sounded like, man. He hit the fuck out of that well, man. <laughs> well, so real quickly too. Remember on Gauntlet Three, one of the big, mo- the real big moment between the two of them is when CT pours a drink on Adam. So I can see that coming back. Well, also from Gauntlet Three, it happened there too. Yeah, so that th- I can see that kind of coming back. Um, I think that was what I noticed. I'm with you because okay. I always thought CT was the person who really started the physicality. Adam was the first one that kind of pushed CT, started touching him, and then the drink thing, and that's when CT walloped him. I'm not saying CT was right because he wasn't. What I, I mean, am saying yeah, is Adam was begging question. for it. Like he poked the bear, the bear chopped his head off. I think it's hard Adam, to say with any of these. Adam, what the initiation is. This is a lot of like when the referee comes in late on the fight in hockey and doesn't know who poked the guy in the back first. So Adam drew first blood. Th- He's, well, we don't know. We don't know what, what he was doing. We don't know what CT did before he poured the drink on him. What do you mean? We don't. We don't but the whole, in the room, in the, the bedroom, in the bedroom, when they start going at it and they're separating them, Adam was the first one that started shoving, and then did the drink thing, and then that's when CT hit him. Until that point, CT had not instigated any of it. Not that he I was agree. right. Well, okay, so I am not saying CT was right for what he did. I am merely stating Adam poked the bear and the bear bit his ass. So that my thing with happened. that is I forget who it was, but I remember very, very clearly somebody on a podcast coming on saying, look, CT came on that show with the mission of getting get an appearance off. via and getting kicked off. So it wasn't he just was, Adam. He was provoking. Well, he that, was there's a lot Evan. to that too. He did it with other people too. We know why he, that we, well, we yeah, don't know his why. His brother had just been murdered. He shouldn't have been there. Yeah. So, so they, 
it's, so I, it's, I, I don't really buy that Adam was like CT wasn't intending to get into a fight with Adam. I think if anything, he, giving him this reason was just like yeah, was CT was going to fight somebody in the state he was in, and Adam was the one that poked the bear first. So I'll say this. Adam could have handled that situation much better. I think that's what I'm trying to say. Like he did not handle that situation in an ideal way. The podcast that you're referring to is there was an interview with CT a while ago on a, or not CT, but uh, TJ on a podcast a while ago. I don't remember who it was with. It may have been on an RHAP. Uh, really? I don't, I yeah, really, maybe it was it's on been a, most mentioned multiple times then. But so I mean, probably TJ, talk, TJ talks about how, um, I don't remember. It may, it was an interview with TJ. It may have not been on an RHAP, but it was an interview with TJ. Uh, TJ talks about how the next morning uh, he had breakfast with CT before he went home. Um, and he had like a conversation with him and it really just seemed like he didn't have any intention of being on the show long-term that season. Um, at least from what I remember. But um, um, I really don't think the one I listened to was TJ. Maybe I've listened, maybe there's multiple that have mentioned stuff like that because I don't remember the breakfast thing. And then it's look, if it was that, with this scene, you'd assume multiple people are going to bring it up in multiple platforms. Yeah. But definitely, everybody's going to have their own version of that night, too. <laughs> yeah. But definitely, note, if you if you watch this episode back, watch how drunk Isaac is here. As he just kind of, like, stumbles around in the chaos. Easy, Derek, and Dunbar try and pry CT off Adam. Unsuccessful. And so they effectively... So this is where Adam fucks up again. So they pry C, CT off of him. And it is, I would say, momentarily not in control, but at, it, it's a controlled fire at this point, right? It's a controlled burn. And then Adam is like a complete dumbass and reaches over, I think, Dumar and throws another punch at, at CT again. And just like that just like throws gasoline on what's going on. Evan... So this is when you know what this fight was sponsored by Jägermeister. Yeah. So there is no this fight security. was sponsored by Jägermeister. I think this honestly, this altercation must PAs. have been. Yeah. So I don't think they have security at this point. Like I think this is must have been what motivated them to get security. I wonder if we have security in the next season um, because they, they they must have taken a step back. I don't remember if for the Brad Durrell fight. Yeah, you're right. There wasn't there wasn't for that. I wonder when they started to have security. It must have been they had multiple of these occurrences in a row. Rivals. They were, like, they were like, we can literally not handle a situation like this. There's literally nothing we can do. These guys are way bigger than we are. There's more of them than there are of us. If something gets out of hand and someone like literally tries to kill someone, we're completely screwed. It's also like so, like, what if everybody was in the stake Isaac was in, basically, in this fight? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, this is just, like, a really <laughs> bad situation. Because, like, these PAs, this is a few PAs. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But also, like, because it's just a few PAs, none of whom, like, CT's going to truck through any of these people. Like, that's that's not going to question. Like, the first guy that gets involved looked like he was in his 50s. Like, he had gray hair, he that he, and he was, like, two or three inches like, shorter than CT. He's also not attempting to do any him. physical restraint. He's just, like, talking. He's, like, trying to calm CT down. Like, you're not calm and get down at this point. You just need to, like, be on top of him. Like, Adisa, I would say, is almost the most effective person and calling him at all. Yeah. While he's like literally smashing a hole in the door. Like, yeah. 
How horrifying is that image, by the way? When, when there's just the whole the and the blood stains all over the door after it like, too. I mean, it's like whoa, I mean, it like a horror movie. So CT is literally like trying to like break his way out of the situation as people are holding him back through the wall and tearing through drywall. Evan takes Adam outside. Dunbar is holding CT back. Adam likes he Adam like uh, acts like he wants to run back in and go after CT. And this is where we get a confessional from. Evan, where he says that no one can hold CT back. And at this point, it gets to a point where this is like comical. It gets to the point where everyone is outside in this large driveway of the mansion that they're staying at. So everyone in the house, production, Adam is on one side of the parking lot and CT slowly makes his way over to Adam. And it gets to the point where I don't know if like CT lulls everyone to sleep but he makes his way over there where he can get close enough and gets his hands on him, has him for a moment. Adam escapes. How does that happen? I don't know. I And, like, Adam is now, like, running around the parking lot with CT chasing also, him. Also, mind you, and, they're on and everyone in the house. next to a stone wall. It's just what's happening. Yeah, and then everyone... So, Adam is running away from CT. CT is chasing Adam. And then everyone in the house and production is chasing after CT. So... DM then comes out of the house, starts going crazy, starts crying and saying that she wants to see T because she thinks that she will be able to get him to stop if she if he sees him. Um, and this is where we get the... Well, real quick, like, two, two quick things. Go. I will smash his head and yeah. eat it. Yeah, well, well <laughs> that, but, that's what um, I was going to do. Rob, so go ahead. Who, it's, Derek, well, it's Derek who's saying, get Adam out of here, right, while they're still in the yeah. house. Uh, I think get him out of here. Dunbar. Derek keeps screaming, get him out of here. I think it's, it's either Derek or Dunbar. I think it's Derek, but I'm not positive. Who are they motioning to? Is it production? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, and I then, don't get why they Adam, just don't throw Adam in a car and just get like take him away. Seriously, it, it, what are they doing? I don't so like, this is what this is what I think it is, Rob. I don't think they have enough bodies. They they, they just don't have enough resources. Dude, you to gotta control. drop the camera at this point. This is a massive no. liability. No, Rob. No, you're it's filming. You're show. filming every it's second. You're thinking this is gold. <laughs> we are winning reality TV gold with this Man, situation. I mean, it's it's horrifying, but we're gonna get people watching. Because Evan and Jen pull Adam out, and then she Evan, Jen asks him what happened. He's just like, Look, Chris happened, and then that's when this CT is, comes charging out. This is like, I was going to say top 10, but it may even be top five most like iconic, like for better or for worse, iconic moments of the show's history, right? This is a, this is a weird one because this is also a moment like, look, I mean, from a, a health and a liability perspective, this is horrifying, legitimate. Like we're, we're, it's, it's TV, so it's what it is. But like, if you were there, you can imagine just the, like, even if you're not Adam, if you're just somebody else involved in the fight dealing with that situation, like, you don't know what kind of collateral damage you could suffer in this. You're on, they're on asphalt at the end of this fight. Like, that's a horrific situation. But it's also now, it's just something that kind of bothers me with the way that they handle these things on the show. The show advertises this like any other of the most notable moments on the show, when in reality, it's a massive failure of security on their part. Yeah. All right. So th- we get the quote here. Someone in the background, and I can't tell if it's it's Evan, Isaac. Evan that prompts it. I think no, it's Evan. I think it's. I th- are you sure? It sounds. I'm pretty Evan. confident it's Evan. I would I do not think I, it's Isaac. I think it's Isaac. So it doesn't sound like Evan's voice if you watch it back. He says, "So I in in my notes, I I write someone question mark um, because I I can't definitively say who it is. 
They say, quote, what do you want? What do you want? You won the fight. It honestly does sound like Isaac now that I think about it in my head again. But they said, what Isaac do you want? Isaac even being a state to say that, though? I think Isaac was too wasted to put that. You're right. Sentence. I really no, think right. it was Evan. You're right. You're right. I think it's so Evan. Pretty say, sure it was Evan. What do you want? You won the fight. CT says, I don't give a fuck. I win every fight. Same person says, quote, you want him to die? And then CT responds, you kidding me? Yeah, I will smash his head and eat it. And that has been on... Smash his head and eat it. Like, countless amounts of promotions. That's That carried the show for a period of time. That was like one of the mm-hmm. like most used clips that was put in the challenge just just when ct was brought in as a mercenary on cutthroat that was what they show is that is that line i mean it's easy promo material i mean that is a pro wrestling 101 promo that right there it's horrifying because it was a real situation that's the thing this is like if this is like this is one of the scenes from the show like this this is like a scripted television moment and happening in real life yes like this is this is yeah like, if you're trying to write a horrifying situation as an act of fiction, what is playing out is a very excellent act of fiction. The problem is it was real. Yeah. So this is – so I'm I'm trying to think of – I don't think we ever talked about this. But this is one of the scariest moments in the history of the show. And I think I can, I can only think of two that would come close. What are the, what are the two? Ironically enough, I would say the Julie Veronica one was pretty bad because like the- Veronica really could have died. Like yeah. legit that, that's could have died. That's an insane one. Yeah. So that that, um, that was one of them. What's the other one? It's obvious. This one's more obvious. I didn't think I, – I wasn't sure if you would get that one right away. The other one's even more obvious. The Jordan falling on Dirty 30 is pretty bad. No. What is it? Guess again. No. I mean that's a, that, that's a pretty bad one though. The, the, the parachute company is like – and he hit hard too, he man. Like hard, that was pretty man. freaking scary. Uh, no, the other one though. Uh, Come on. Come on. It's not Johnny getting beat up in the bar in the there's Czech definitely, There's definitely an obvious one I'm missing here. I, yeah. I, I, uh, I can't believe you guys haven't gotten this. It's not Joe on Gauntlet 2 and all the cops are showing up and all that no. stupidity. Oh, God, no. Um, what are you talking about? Dude, she's just making a phone call because she's not used well, to Well, I think it's just scary to have like cops in another country that have no idea what the hell is going on showing up to something like that. That's pretty freaking frightening um, to me. Um, if I'm in a foreign country, I want zero interaction with the police for any reason. Um, it's I don't know, Durrell. Devin. What, are, what am I missing? It's what Brad season? and Durrell. Brad and Durrell. Oh, from the really? Ruins. You think so? I don't think so. Brad because, so I don't think it's close to this. I think the Jordan one is way worse from Dirty Thirty. So the I the only reason I say physical, that is because, like a physical situation. Yeah, I think I had heard a podcast at some point with possibly Evan or someone else. I can't remember who who where they said that that or it may have been Susie, um, or I can't remember. It was someone on the ruins, and they said that that was the scariest moment that that they had ever been a part of on on the in the. I mean, Durrell was like. A trained boxer, and he beat the fuck out of Brad. Like it was Brad's face after that was scary. Yeah, I think in terms of like physical endangerment, I think the Jordan one is worse by a decent degree. I even think like like some of the uh, like Georgia like passing out basically on War of the Worlds one finals pretty bad. Uh, I was gonna say. I was going to say 
uh, Big Easy and Gauntlet 3, but I feel like everyone on that team was just more upset about losing money than they were about... Well, they they probably were, which was actually probably worse for the situation. Like, they're not concerned <laughs> yeah. for his health. They were just like, bad. cut him loose. <laughs> just get, just go. Yeah. <laughs> He's I mean, dead. They're like, they're, don't even give him, him medical... The the they're road, they're saying going. we're not going to give him medical care. Just have Evan and, like, CT carry him to the end. All right, so what, what's hilarious about this is after CT has that quote, they flash to Adam sitting down in that house with just like an ice pack over his eye. Like, <laughs> there's like blood all over his hand too. Dude, if you see it, it's like yeah, man. it is pretty. Also, scary. I think even more like crazy than the CT quote is him wiping the blood off his face with Adam's onesie as he's sitting in the car. <laughs> that was a thing. What kind of there's another thing? If you madness is that man. This might be the most unintentionally hilarious part of the entire fight. Landon is in like a hot purple, yellow, turquoise, tiger stripe onesie. And he's wearing like glitter on his face and eyeliner. He got in the car with Adam to go to the hospital. If you watch the tape back, can you imagine (laughs) being in the hospital and this dude's been beaten up, and then the guy with him gets out in a purple onesie with glitter and eyeliner on. Like, what? If anybody's seen Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two, he legit looks like one of like the high priestesses warriors that's just plated gold. Yeah, it was unintentionally hilarious because I played that scene out past when what we saw I was like, man, when they got to the hospital, there was some really confused people that showed up. Man. So as as CT gets in the car for production to take him away, DM says something to him um, from from the side, and CT caps off his moment on duel two as he's taken away and out the door says, "Career first, good luck with it," <laughs> and exits the season. Adam gets thrown out. Oh, too. and he also was like, "Why are you crying? It's not like we're together. Why are you crying?" Well, we also missed when he says he could have when he, the the whole freshman line line the whole freshman line uh, quote too familiar. When was that? Dude, that's like, uh, <laughs> dude. So I had never heard. Remember when Mel Gibson like freaks out on his girlfriend, like oh, on the cop. No, okay. on his girlfriend, and his girlfriend like records it or something. Do you remember this? <laughs> I no, I remember very Alec before Baldwin, my time, but not that one. No, we're gonna have to take this one offline. I don't think I can okay. say this. <laughs> yeah, we can't say if it's what I'm thinking. It is. Don't say. I any feel like anything words. mentioning Mel Gibson is gonna be risky territory to talk about. Yeah, we'll talk about this later. That what you just said reminds me of that. Though. All right, so next morning, Dean says she feels empty with CT gone. She's upset. Derek says, um, seeing CT and Adam gone is good for the game. Uh, so Siobhan here makes the argument to Ryan that she actually did not hook up with CT. Evan and Paula, this is where we actually start to get into some of the game. Evan and Paula, like, this is where their alliance becomes known to the audience. Um, in the mission, all right, we get our first mission for episode one. Um, hey, before you do that though, do you think a single member of the cast believed Siobhan when she said they didn't hook up? No, probably not. I think no. it's almost an irrelevant thought at that point. It's not even something I would be thinking through. Well, it plays into why she got thrown in because, you know, Jen basically said, like, don't do that. No, that's and, true. It does. Like, I think it played a lot into it. That's why I say. I think it's with that. So we'll get to that when they talk about it. But, like, 
if you're going to throw in somebody for hooking up with somebody else's ex on the show, isn't everybody just going to get every elimination? Yeah. Well, <laughs> people like yeah, Ian more than some of the other people. It's a, yeah, I thought about that too, Rob. Um, it, it's kind of... I, 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 don't, I think that's the, the reason that they like pinned on the board, but there was more to it beyond that. Um, all right. So TJ introduces MJ and Nehemiah as the replacements for Adam and CT. MJ says he had a, has a two-year-old girl at home and he's here for the money. How quick, the mission for, how quick do you think they bring them in? Do you think they had them on location? Like, were they doing that yet? No. Or did they have to I almost, fly them in? I wouldn't be surprised if they had to fly them in. Because they have two. Do you think they, they took a day or two? Like they did. They have two yeah, they probably just took a day or two, dude, after that. Yeah. Yeah. So there's no way. Because even MJ in his confessional kind of said, like, hey, do you yeah. want to do this? And he's like, okay. And so that's he got why I was bringing plane. it up. Yeah. I think, I think you just, like, when you have a situation like that unfold, you're like, guys, we'll, we'll take a day or two here to uh, kind of gather ourselves. And I think that's also why the end of the season feels a little rushed. The mission for episode one is last man standing. Men and women will complete separately and there will be two phases. There will be 13 men and 13 women. The men will compete in one heat and the women will compete in another. Each heat will have two teams of six. One member will sit out and not automatically make it to the next phase of the uh, mission. And this person will also not have to compete in the duel for the first episode or for the first cycle. Teams will start at the center of a rugby field with a ball in the middle of the field. The object is to take the ball from the middle of the field and make it into the end zone on the opposite side of the field while the opposing team tries to take the ball away from you and make it to their own side of the field. The team that scores first makes it to phase two, and then phase two is pretty stupid. Um, the person that starts sitting out, so the person who is immune from the duel, um, goes onto the field and attempts to tackle members of the winning heat as they run into the end zone. The person that they tackle will then shift to the tackler's team and repeat the process again to tackle remaining players that won the first heat. And this process will continue until there's only one person left from the winning heat on... Yeah, until there's only one person from the winning heat of the first heat. Um, The winner gets an Xbox 360 and is safe from the duel... You didn't like this one? Trace? I think it's worst fine. challenge of the season. Really? It's oh, worst it's one of the fine. season. I don't think this one's that bad. The only thing I can say good about this one is it was it was over quick, and that's what I appreciated. You know, if you're going to have a mission that's not awesome, get it over with fast, and that's the way I felt. Like, it was fine. You got some physicality, but the, the rules were very janky to me. So this is, that, that's just uh, me being picky. Um, it's nice because the first phase of this lasts 20 seconds. And after what we mm-hmm. sat through with Total Mad- Madness recently, it was a breath of fresh air. Um, the second heat for the women comes down to Robin and Ruthie. And the other women decide to tackle Ruthie and let Robin win. And Jen says that this was done because it, they thought it would be easier to convince Robin what to do, whereas Ruthie would have more of an opinion. Um the men they were right. Um, it pretty much comes down to 
Evan, every, everyone being aligned with Evan, and Evan pretty much cruises his way to victory here. He said, even in a confessional, he says he doesn't want to make take much credit for this because he just ran, ran down the field a few times. And that really lets you know kind of where Evan is positioned in the house at this point when he like really didn't even, he, he, he could have walked pretty much throughout this. It's, it's not like he had to. He probably did. Uh, yeah, it's, it's not like he had to like do much. So Evan and Robin win. Um, and we'll cruise through a lot of that back at the house. This is where we get. Well, real quickly, from- we, we, we should talk about MJ, MJ going up to Robin. Yeah, sure. I yeah, I I thought about that. We we can talk about it real quick. So MJ goes. Well, up to Robin. I, I think it's notable because he says he, he has no alliances. Then it seems like he's in the power alliance right after this. I think it's him. Like he hasn't talked to anyone at this point. You know what I mean? Like he just got there, and so he just wants to be in good graces with Robin as much as possible. So MJ goes up to Robin and tells him not to listen to Evan and to give him a chance to like make his way in the house um, and really tries to put himself in an alliance with Robin um, back at the house. Nick says that he doesn't want to go in because his hand is banged up. We get the deliberation between Evan and Robin about who they should pick first for the dual selection. Robin wants to pick MJ first. Um, Evan and Robin go down the scenario of who everyone pick. Um, and Evan kind of tries to like tighten the screws on Robin here. And he says that, um, he really needs to look out for his alliance, which consists of Mark, Brad, and Landon. And I think MJ is in this group as well pretty soon thereafter. Um, because yep. he was... And, and I give that complete credit to Mark Long. Well, yeah, he because, and Landon were from the same real world season. Yeah. Well, and so MJ was also on the ga- on Gauntlet 2 with all these people too. He was on it with Mark, Brad, and Landon. Yeah, um, it's funny how this season and Gauntlet 2 do end up having really similar casts. Yeah, in some ways. There's a lot of crossover. Um, yeah, because, yeah, I mean, Ruthie, was Ruthie on Continent 2? She was. Yeah, so Ruthie, Katie. Yeah, she was the best, remember? Mark. Um, Brad. Yeah. Especially Brandon, when you can, MJ. Especially when you consider how long ago Gauntlet 2 was. Um, at this point, how many seasons prior was that? Anissa. That was... At least four One, or five. two, three, four, five, six seasons. This was the sixth season six since seasons. Gauntlet 2. Okay, yeah. Um, it's funny. It's missing its three main characters, like because I would say Kina, Alton, Derek are pretty clearly the three mains on Gauntlet Two. Um, but then after that, like all of the next level competitors, pretty much are on this one. We get to the selection. Um, Brad and Paula are automatically safe because they were the the odd people out um, that didn't really compete to a large degree in the mission. Evan and Robin decide to pick MJ first. It goes down the line and comes down to the point where Brooke has to pick between Davis and Ryan for who she wants to keep safe. Um, She decides to pick Davis and then Davis has to decide between Siobhan and Jen for who to keep safe. He obviously picks Jen. So it is Ryan and Siobhan that will go into elimination for episode one. That's another cool thing about the season of the duel is that there's two eliminations every episode. Um, Yes. Which definitely spices yeah, it up. That's a pacing thing that I don't know why they've gone away from. I think it's like because when you're the in the se- seasons where it's not pairs, I definitely think it's the way to go. The seasons are just longer now. Um, I think they just want to try and stretch it as much as possible. I think that's one of the, the main reasons. Because how many episodes are in this season? Th- this season, I think it's... 10. 10? 
This season, dual two, you're saying? Yeah, dual ten. Yeah, I think for double agents, I kind of get it um, because the way the format works out. But I think that's something I got like, like more of the worlds too. I definitely think could have used having male and female eliminations the same day. So, to decide the dual game, DJ has a stack of cards that each of the people that were selected to go into the duel uh, get to choose from. And, well, I guess we should... All right, so first, before that happens, Ryan decides that he wants to go against Nick in elimination. He calls him out from the group. And then Siobhan picks to Anissa. She says that uh, she thought that that would be the fairest. Of course, Anissa is ready to explode over this, like usual. Um, this is where they get to the cards where Siobhan and Ryan pick from the deck to decide the dual game. Ryan picks elevator. Siobhan picks back off. And well, there isn't. We should say too. Nick had mentioned he had injured his hand uh, from tackling Big Easy during the mission. I think we had mentioned and, that, right? Like, Big Easy landed on him. Yeah, yeah they mentioned it very oh, yeah. clearly. I, like I Big know. Easy landed with all of his weight on Nick and hurt his hand in the process. Bad episode for poor Nick Brown here. <laughs> we get to the elimination. There's some other stuff that happens before the elimination. Nothing major, um, especially if we want to keep this episode to a reasonable amount of Less time. Less than three hours. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Ryan said, says he's more confident in going against Nick uh, because he's actually done an elimination before and Nick's a rookie. The winner gets, receives a slacker GT, G2 radio player, whatever that is. Um, this is where Nick says he has a cracked bone in his hand. They will do elevator. Um, each player will sit on a platform that has a chain run through it and a series of pulleys that are connected to their opponent's platform. As they pull on the chain through their platform, it will raise their opponent's platform in the air. The first person to raise their opponent's platform to all the way to the top of the end of the pulley system wins. And they start going. Nick says he reaches a breaking point with his hand. Ryan wins. Nick goes home. Is there anything that we want to say about this? No? Okay, really. let's keep it this going. This is not an elimination that's like... They, they just pull the chain, so... Siobhan and Nisa play back off. Each player will begin with a harness around them that has a hook attached to their back. Behind each player, there's a ring suspended in the air. The goal is to detach the hook from your opponent's back and attach it to the ring behind that player or behind your opponent. The first player to do this twice wins. And this is where we actually get a cut to episode two. So the, there's a little bit of the elimination between Siobhan and Anissa in episode one, but it concludes in episode two. And when episode two starts, they actually redo a lot of the buildup to Siobhan and Anissa going against each other. Um, the first round, both hooks kind of fall off and onto the ground this is where we also uh, have MJ's kind of giving his take in a confessional and he refers, he says, Anissa and quote, the boob girl. Uh, so it sounds like MJ doesn't even know Siobhan's name at this point. Um, Anissa barely wins the first if round. If he only knew how apt that nickname would be in the ruins. Yeah. Uh, Anissa tells Siobhan. Sorry, I couldn't resist. It was an easy one. Anissa tells Siobhan not to punch her. Siobhan says, uh, tells Anissa not to choke her. Uh, second round starts. They're pretty, so they're supposed to go for the hook here. 
they're pretty loose on what they define as going for the hook. I think they don't enforce this rule very well. No, not at all. And it gets to the point where in the last elimination between Brad and Landon, I think what TJ calls a penalty on, they probably wouldn't have called a penalty on if it was the first episode, right? If it was now. Because Siobhan is not going for the hook at all. um... Siobhan is not going for the hook at all. And it seems like TJ is close to just DQing the entire event. Like Mosley would have DQed this like like moments into the, into the second heat. Like this would have lasted like 10 seconds. Um, Yeah. So there's a good moment. All right, guys, you're just both going home. Okay. How do you think Mosley would be legislating a physical elimination? Cause we never really saw him do one. Dude, he, he would be like, uh, I, the, like for anyone that watched the, like we recorded this the night after the Francis and Ganu and Stipe, Miocic fight. T- oh uh, Mosley would have been like flying in there, like Herb Dean, like trying to like save his life. Like Mosley is like, like Mosley should be a UFC referee. I would probably watch UFC. See, a I was thinking like a WWE referee. <laughs> See, I was thinking he'd be like one of those WWE referees that ends up getting knocked out like a, a third <laughs> of the way into the fight and replaced by the manager of whatever guy. Like, that seems you're like not wrong role. there either. They're both, you're both right. He would mostly would be like in the Royal Rumble where uh, he's the referee, and then they flash the number for the next person to come on the stage, and then and it's Mosley his takes his, playing. It, 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 it's Mosley, and he takes the referee shirt off, and he is now in the Royal Rumble. Like that. That's look what at would me. I am yeah. the winner now. <laughs> so, uh, all right. Anissa throws her shirt on the ground and says to Siobhan, here you go, if you want it that bad. Um, because Siobhan was grabbing her shirt during the second heat. And then Siobhan goes over to the shirt and steps on it and rubs it in the ground in the mud, which was kind of funny. Yeah, this, uh, the whole thing with the shirt I thought was crazy. Uh, Siobhan says I'm to go... here between... Siobhan goes to the sideline to get people to come over and like say goodbye to her and give her a hug. And it's pretty much crickets. And this is where Paula says, quote, Siobhan, don't bang other people's ex-boyfriends, end quote. Um, which still is kind of ridiculous. Like, that's all that's going on between these people, it seems like. I don't know. I could be I could be wrong about this. It, um, the thing I think it's on the different show. in it's this case because constantly. people like DM. That's why. That's the only this reason. This is happening constantly. We, we have ever – if you – all of these people are Eskimo cousins at this point, okay? Like, okay, they've all somehow hooked up, okay, hooked hooked up, up with somebody with, who's hooked up with somebody. If somebody hooked up with Derek, would anybody say anything? Derek who? Which right. Derek? Kaczynski. That that also was uh, affiliated with DM at a, at a time. No. Not at all. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Just say don't hook up with, don't hook up with CT while DM's around. Be, be more, you know, give the, give the rookie the instructions here. Be discreet. Don't rub it in their face, which is probably the way they felt it came across. But I wasn't there. It is what it is. I just think not being involved with CT is probably the best move to avoid. That's probably the best advice, yes, at the time. All right, so... We're in episode two now, right? We're we're fully in the depths of episode two. That's right. So Jen and Katie end up saying goodbye to her, um, to Siobhan. After the challenge, um, Ryan talks to Robin. Um, 
about how he's proud he won the elimination. Um, Ryan says that he's going to go for one of the top guys if he gets called in again. He's going to get an entire bottle of wine during this discussion, by the way. Um, this is where we get... So while they're sitting outside, Anissa, DM, and Katie from inside the house look outside at the two of them and start calling Robin a psycho. Um, Rachel says in a confessional that Robin plays a, a really crazy game. Um, Brad and MJ talk about, in a, in a different scene, um, Brad and MJ talk about MJ's kids. He says he's there for the money and to put, put it in their, his kid's college fund. And in a confessional, MJ says that there's definitely a, definitely a pecking order with what's going on. We get into the mission for episode two called Freezing as Puck. Teams will compete in guy-girl pairs. The mission takes place on an ice cream can consist consists of one player from the uh, consists of one player from the pair pushing the other player from the pair on the ice rink toward targets on the ice while they sit on a block of ice. Um, the targets on the ice are worth varying amounts of points, and the the most amount of points wins um, whatever I guess phase of the game that we're in. It's pretty. They're pretty much playing human shuffleboard with one person from the pair sitting on a block of ice. If the player on the puck touches the ice, or t- touches the rink, I should say, um, you DQ. There are three heats. The first heat consists of six pairs on each team. The winning team moves to the next round and will split into teams of three pairs. The final round consists of the three pairs from the previous round competing against each other on their own. And then this is where TJ drops the bomb that the guys and the girls will have to wear swimsuits. The prize is a T-Mobile phone. And team, team one is pretty much stacked because, um, who was it? It's like. It's the guys alliance, basically. It's yeah. Landon, Evan, Mark. Like, it's the heavy hitters. It's Mark, Brad, Landon. Okay, we're back. Uh, after some technical difficulties, we will march on. Uh, we'll, we'll get through the last half of this episode and then episode three. Um, so we're in the middle of freezing as puck. The challenge in, in the middle of the challenge for episode two. I like this one. I didn't think this one was. I'm bad. a big fan. Um, like if you're gonna do a challenge okay. like this, it's half janky carnival, half strategy. I'm all in on stuff like this. Like I'm good with it. And it was quick. It was also quick. Uh, where are they? Where are they? Ice rink. Some ice rink right? in New Zealand. That's all we got. I, mean, I would assume, but like, all right. Um. So pretty much the the dominant team that consisted of it was the the prevailing alliance of Mark Brad, Landon and Easy. They win the first heat, they go on to the second heat. Um yeah, I don't it pretty much comes down to round three, it's Mark, Landon and Brad competing against each other. Um Mark is their partners are too. Yeah, Mark is partnered with Rachel, Landon is partnered with Brittany and Brad is partnered with Tori, obviously. Mark and Landon each get 10 yeah, points. The... And tie. So they get to the point where it's a, a sudden death where whoever can push their teammate the furthest on the ice while they sit on the block of ice wins. And 
Mark and Rachel win. They edge out Landon and Brittany. Go ahead. Unfortunately, I would have liked this much better if the women were allowed to like try to truck each other as they were on top of the icebox being pushed around. But the, they didn't get to do much this time around. They were kind of just sitting there. Back at the house, um, Mark and Rachel talk um, about what they should do with the selection. Rachel said that she wants to pick Anissa because she won the last duel. And Mark wants Anissa to pick Landon. This is pretty straightforward. Um, R- R- Rachel's fine with that. And she she said that Anissa is fine with picking Landon too. Um, so this is where, this is a really big pivot point in the season. So, and it kind of starts here where Evan and MJ talk. MJ wants Paula to um, pick him. Paula, however... Um, wants to pick Ryan or Dunbar. Um, Ryan says that he doesn't want to go in and Paula says that she's going to do what she can to make it so Ryan doesn't go in. Um, Paula talks with MJ. She wants to make sure Dunbar and Ryan are safe, even though she also wants to, uh, even though her alliance wants her to pick MJ. Evan kind of plays dumb here when Paula comes to him asking kind of what's going on and she doesn't know what to do. Um, Paula says she's the man in the middle. She's the person in the middle. Evan says that um, somehow he's become the godfather of the show, which is true. Like, in all reality, that's what's going on. Like, it it seems like he's one of the... But he was kind of in that spot on Gauntlet 3, too. Like, it's not like this is completely foreign. Um, MJ comes into the room while Paula's kind of freaking out and tells her to, like, calm down and just take it down a notch. And they talk over the situation. And it pretty much comes down to Ruthie... Um, needing to take Dunbar or Ryan for Paula to feel more okay with the situation. So MJ goes and talks with Ruthie. Um, and then they, there's a lot of back and forth that happens before the selection, but it pretty much comes down to a conversation where Paula, Dunbar, Nehemiah, Davis, and Brooke talk about the list. Um, Paula says that Robin's going to be the last for the women. And Nehemiah says that makes a comment that M- MJ should be last. Um, and that's kind of the foreshadowing that we see for the selection. So it goes back and forth um, all the way down to the point where Evan picks Paula. And this is where in the minds of the prevailing alliance, Paula should now pick MJ. Paula goes rogue here, um, decides to pick Dunbar. Evan looks at um, Paula and is like, you know, you fucked up, right? And she's like, I know. This is one of the like dumbest moves i think like th- yeah. th- this move is just like well so i have a, a few questions here how, how did how does mj get in the spot he's in landon and mark because seemingly he comes in and he doesn't have any connections and now he comes in he's just mark long and landon basically yeah we talked about this landon mark long brad all the people he was with on gauntlet too Andy's a good physical competitor. So the whole goal of this is to surround yourself with people that are likely to be able to win a daily mission. So you'll be on top of the pecking order for the selection. That, that's the name of the game here. Well, I get that. But, but like Paula seems like she, coming into the season, Paula seemed like she, she should be like a linchpin in this alliance, right? And she wasn't until, until she, she screwed did this. up. Yeah. <laughs> Paula's biggest problem. Well, like I, I don't see why Paula has less equity here than MJ seemingly. I mean, it just still solidifies your numbers. I mean, that's really what it it, it is. Like, if you're, I mean, at some point it's going to whittle down to those six, but at, at some point that will happen. But you wait until you have to do that to do it. 
Paula screwed up here because she had too many promises to too many people. And Paula weighed friendship versus winning. See, I just don't think that's fair. Because if she has too many promises to too many people, MJ's just coming in like not even It's part not of the about show MJ, initially. though. It's not she about MJ. It's about Evan. That's the thing. If Evan is saying, for us to stay safe, this is what you need to do, and you don't do it, that's a problem. That's the big issue here, is it really had nothing to do with MJ. It had everything to do with the main alliance, and Paula pissed off the main alliance. I just I can I can see her position here apparently much more than you guys can because if she probably comes in thinking she's got Evan and then she's got Dunbar and she's got Ryan that's that's her group. But and the then, thing is that, that Dunbar and Ryan are absolutely meaningless. Mm-hmm. Like they literally don't matter here because they're I not. Know, I get it. That, that that's the thing they don't matter at all. And Paula doesn't understand that her alliance with Evan is only as good as their standing with the rest of the men. And for the rest of the men, for Brad, MJ, or for, for Brad, Landon, and Mark, their relationship with MJ and where he fits in the alliance is very important. They view yeah, they view MJ as more valuable than Dunbar and Ryan. That's what this came down to. Paula, and this is her stupid mistake, Paula yeah, because- could have been in the final three had she played along with that main alliance. Like, who who else was really – I mean, she would have been safe for a long time had she stuck with Evan. Yeah, like, I mean, th- this would have made her life a lot easier if she would have just continued to go along with the plan. So we get a, a an almost righteous Brad moment a little bit later in the episode where – he talks about that he doesn't necessarily have an issue with um, Paula picking Dunbar. He has an issue with her going rogue and not like being like very transparent about with what she was doing. So it really seemed like it caught a lot of people off guard that she decided to pick Dunbar and not MJ here. And I think um, she was really transparent with the so people Robin, in her Robin's- room, though. Like she was very transparent with Nehemiah and Ryan and them of what she was doing she was very not transparent with Evan and them with what she was doing. Well, I think she was transparent what she wanted to do with Evan. Yeah, maybe so. I I just, either way, Uh, it's a bad move on her part. I mean, it was really bad because it puts a target on you at the beginning of the game. And the big thing here is never make yourself a target. I, I can see where she gets put in a rough spot here. Okay, I can see where she gets put in our spot here because, like, she came. She probably came in thinking, "Look, she's got Evan, and then her like she's got Dunbar, she's got Ryan. Like, that's what she's got going into it." And she might have even Evan might have even known that coming in, and then MJ just shows up and then is somehow involved in like the core part of the alliance. Like, he's not even part of the show until right before the first mission. Who MJ? Wait, so what's your argument with this? I don't get. Say it. Again. I, I just can see where she had like these were her connections. She was probably says, "Look." She, they're making it out in their mind like she's got Evan and then she's got Dunbar and Ryan. And then Evan just shows up and is immediately like in part of the power alliance. All right. You know what? And that's so a fair what point. What are you saying the issue with this fa- That's a well, fair I point. see where she's caught off guard by it and she'd already made props to Dunbar and Ryan. And then she'd Wait, say that again? not to keep them. Say that again? She's just, she already had promises to Dunbar and Ryan. And now she, she's just being tell, told to break them when previously that wasn't a problem. I hear I mean, what he's saying. If did she do? Do we know that? She, like, let's take this off the board for a second. Let's say CT and Adam don't get sent home. 
what Paula did isn't a big deal because CT may or may not be a part of that main alliance. Whereas now that MJ is here, that has messed up what was the original connections. And now she's being told like, well, that's not the case anymore. You're going to vote MJ. So that I can see, I don't know if it's true or not, Rob, but your point is well taken. She was put in a weird position now that I think this through with you because the game changed when MJ showed up and MJ went from being the the guy that they usually the tradition is, is if you come in late, you go in immediately because you haven't been there. And somehow MJ jumped the line ahead of and these other people. it's not like Evan's like, oh yeah, MJ's a core part of our alliance when they're doing the list the first day. So uh, yeah, I, I completely get why she wouldn't just want to she wouldn't just want to pick MJ, or she already had promises she had already made other people. We don't know if she had made promises, I guess, one. We never, like, hear her say, like, I promised this person that I was going to pick them. Um, the only person that we hear her pretty much, like, make that type of agreement with to this point is Evan. We got, get that in the first episode right before the um, first mission. Um, I don't know. I, I, I think once once MJ comes in the game, it's a different game at that point, and she needs to be able to adjust. Um... Like I, I think this is pretty pretty cut and dry. Like it's it's not a great situation, but to be able to win this game, you have to be able to make tougher yeah. decisions. And than who's that. to say too that if she goes, okay, well, if I have to pick up MJ, who's MJ picking up? Like you can find a way to compromise if you work the politics correctly to go, okay, well, if I pick up MJ and you want me to pick up MJ, then MJ well, see, has I think to pick that's up her this bigger person. Mistake. Why does she just have MJ go talk to uh, Ruthie? Why doesn't she go talk to Ruthie? All right, we're back after numerous uh, technical difficulties. This one's this one's going off like a peach. Uh, <laughs> I'm drunk now. <laughs> Not really. Like this is. I this, wish I was. This is probably the second or third worst time that we've it's ever the had. Worst. This is probably outside this of the time the that, I, that I got the bomb threat called in while we while no. I was on campus. That uh, wasn't bad because we were just able to pick right back up the next day. With video now, it's all complicated. <laughs> the, the worst is when we tried to do that live show. Oh, or the live, yeah. the live watch. Oh, with the we friggin' the watch along. Oh, that took like three hours to do. Dude, just I don't get know, it. man. It's twelve fifteen. We jumped on this recording at eight thirty. We have what a, an hour. Of well, content? no, it was eight forty five, and we didn't start talking till like nine forty five. So it's about standard for us. It's three and a half hours. <laughs> All right, let's keep yeah, going. About standard. <laughs> All right, so we were talking Rob, about Paula, and we—I feel like we beat that one to death. So I think it's just who's the last picks at this point. Yep. So Paul, Paula picks Dunbar. Um, it goes down to the end. MJ is the last guy, um, and then who? And then Robin is the last woman. Um, Robin selects out of the deck of cards from TJ. Selects dual pole dancing. MJ selects pushover. MJ selects Ryan to go in against elimination. Ryan has an exasperated look after he just went into an elimination with, uh, who did he go against? Nick, 24 hours ago. Um, And based off of the sound of this one, this does not sound like something that Ryan's going to be able to do well against MJ against. Um, After the selection, Katie, Robin, Kim, and DM talk about how they were shocked about what happened. And Kim says that she thinks that everyone needs to listen to uh, 
she that she thinks everyone is everyone is listening to Paul and Evan right now, and it's insane that they're doing so. Um, Ryan says that uh, Paula is looking out for her, and it kind of backfired in the sense that MJ ended up just picking Ryan to go in against elimination anyway. Um, MJ, Evan, Landon, Mark, and Rachel talk. Rachel says that Paula's move is stupid because it's not like she's the strongest one here and can really guide her own destiny. She's really dependent on the other people in the house. Evan says that he told Paula that she's on her own now and Paula is no longer in the alliance. That was the main takeaway from that conversation. So we get into elimination, dual pole dancing. There's a giant climbing pole in the middle of the elimination area. The object is to climb to the top of the pole as quickly as possible and ring the bell. There's some foot and hand holds that your opponent may also need that you need at the same time. So you can try and knock your opponent off. So it's pretty much you're climbing up a rock wall that's in the shape of a pole and your path intersects with your opponents. The winner gets beats by Dre Headphone. Um, and so this is Robin versus Kim. Robin really struggles. It's for a lot of this, it seems like. Kim actually does a pretty good job here. And... Robin tries to pull Kim off a couple of times, but Kim ends up winning. And Robin, as you would expect, is a little uh, emotional as she, she's lost and it's time for her to go home. Uh, she mentions that this is her seventh challenge. Do we have anything to say about Robin? Not particularly. Okay. All right, push over. <laughs> there is a platform about 10 yards long and uh, maybe like 15 feet wide, they will start behind, start behind their starting lines at each end of the platform. And on the sound of the horn, each competitor will attempt to push their opponent off the platform with pads. Um, the person that can do this twice wins. And MJ just completely dominates this from beginning to end. They throw in a random confessional here from Anissa where she tries to make it sound like Ryan had a chance here that in the first one that it almost looked like... <laughs> Ryan was going to push off MJ, like, that's complete BS. Like, MJ played college football. He's not going to let Ryan, like, push him off this platform. It's it, This was never even close. No. So Ryan... Ryan one of those plus things. competitor, Trace Armstrong favorite, Ryan is not going to be able to pull this one out? Oh, you're killing me, Smalls. Um, it's too bad he's just an alternate on that All-Star show. I assume that would have been 1.101 for you, right, Trace? Top of the board? Y'all are killing me, man. Just killing me. So <laughs> no, not at all. What the listeners don't know is that uh, it it's available in some places to be able to get uh, personal like jerseys of challenge competitors from the show. the The one that Trace has is of Ryan. Yeah, <laughs> this is a tissue of lies. Ryan, Ryan's this... Gauntlet Three uh, jersey. Oh, y'all are killing me! You're just killing me! Ha 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 ha! You, no, does but... he does he get a ring for that? Like you know how if a player gets cut mid season and like at the NBA they get the ring if the team wins anyway? So does Ryan get a ring? Absolutely no, not. No. Not at all. Not even close. What would be what would be the the number one uh, challenge jersey that you would want? Ooh, that's actually a really good question. I like the free agents rugby style and the, the uh, I guess they did it for the champs good. on invasion of the champions too. I yeah, really like those. Those. Ones are, those ones are pretty good. Uh... Rob knows which one I want. The Island. They didn't have, don't have a Jersey. <laughs> um, I probably should know the one he wants. You know, if you thought about it for like 
10 seconds, you would be able to figure it out. Uh, I mean, unfortunately, uh, this recording has stabbed some of my mental uh, capabilities. All right, let's keep it going. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm down from like Iron Man levels, you know, I'm all the way down to whoever that dumb Avenger is. Yeah, you know, uh, when you talk about the Anissa confessional there, that's one of those things where the producers try to like bait me into that one. And I'm like, no, because you're going to make me look like I have a brain the size of a pea saying this. Like, just no, I I appreciate what that's you're trying to do production. No, <laughs> that's definitely one of the ones where the PAs are like, look, Anissa you've been good to us we've been good to you just just give us give us a line here we can use give us a sound bite that makes it think like ryan's doing okay (laughs) god so after the elimination brad and landon talk and this is where uh brad says that the issue that he has with paula is that she wasn't transparent about with the fact that she was going to pick dunbar which she doesn't necessarily have to be but that was his issue with it is she kind of like went rogue and he was expecting one thing to happen and something else did Evan tells Paula I mean, that. Like, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, it's just like if she was, she seemed somewhat transparent. She would at least wanted to pick uh, Dunbar. So I, I don't know. And also, like that, that seems pretty directed just towards him. Like, is Paula supposed to go tell every single person in the house that what she's doing directly? It's tough, right? Because we don't know the conversation that Paula had with Brad. Um, yeah. I mean, realistically, though, Evan kind of knew she was leaning towards Dunbar. So if anything, it makes Evan look bad for not giving his alliance the heads up of like, hey, Paul is like waffling here. Uh, what do we do? And also, we have to remember, too, they don't have an infinite amount of time. Like there's um, there's only 30 minutes. Like that's probably that probably leads to a lot of this chaos is that they don't have that long to scramble. Yeah, I remember somebody doing an interview and I can't remember what member of this cast it was, but they said the list and the whole thing for the dual two is like the most stressful thing they've done on a challenge is trying to work the list right and get the people in the right spot. And they said the list is just it, it, it's so stressful to do it. So it's like I, I feel for them, but it's like I love it from a viewer standpoint, because every time the list starts on each episode, I'm I am there for the politics pre list. I am there for the pissed off people after the list. Like it's good TV. Surprisingly. I like it a lot. Yeah, I agree. Um, Oh, another thing they do here and they do this for all the episodes in the past. They do the elimination. Then the credits roll. I really like how they go back for like a minute to the house to see the fallout of what just happened before the episode ends like that's something we don't get anymore so like i'm i'm really liking that as part of this dual two experience as well as getting that little extra minute after the elimination back at the house i agree i do like that um okay so evan tells paula that um the people that she's with now need to protect her i, I don't know this is kind of where evan tells her that like what she did is, is like a really big issue um and Landon tells Brad that uh, they kind of go back and forth between conversations between Paula and Evan and then Landon and Brad, and they just go back and forth a few times. And then it kind of ends off with um, Landon telling Brad that he doesn't trust Evan. And then there's this whole metaphor going on with, with like a house of cards that Landon is, is stacking and then it falls over as the episode ends. So episode three starts. Uh, Mark says that uh, he likes Brooke. Brooke has a huge visibility spike here, telegraphing uh, that it's her time to go home. Brooke talks about uh, 
to Evan about how she wants to stay in the game this time. And then we get an important moment here where Nehemiah and uh, Davis have a conversation, which will be relevant in about maybe 20 minutes of airtime when Nehemiah uh, decides to essentially send Davis into elimination by picking uh, Paula instead of Brooke. Um, That kind of sinks Davis's game here when he goes into elimination this episode, but they talk about how they need to take down the other alliance, the, the other alliance being Mark, uh, Evan, Brad, and Landon. Paula talks about how, um, or, well, no, I don't know if it, it, it's not Paula. It's uh, Nehemiah and Davis are talking about how Evan, Evan is playing everyone in the game at the same time. Um, uh, that actually may have been Paula. And then Paula says that um, Evan is playing a really risky game right now. Um, Landon. I don't think that at all, by the way, like at all. I don't buy that argument from them. It's also weird. Like, so everyone is saying, everyone's saying he's in power yet. Everyone is also saying like that he shouldn't be at the same time. Almost like they're the ones who are putting him in that position at that point. So this is like anyone that is like, makes an argument that there is edgic on the challenge cannot make that about this season. Like, up until this point, like, Evan is getting trashed throughout this. Like, Nehemiah calls Evan a bitch multiple times in this episode. <laughs> like, well, I think, again, about- I just think it's different. I think it's a different type of what they're trying to portray with an edit. Yeah. Well, the difference here, though, is is Evan is by far the narrator of the season. Oh, yeah. Like, just, he, his he has, confessionals like dwarf everyone. Like, he is narrating he is giving opinion. I mean, it's obviously like before the season, he's even leading the Haka. Like it's to that extent. Yeah. Like it's almost like the producers knew that Evan was p- probably going to win this even before the season started, which is bizarre. Yeah. But the I, other I thing it's... that, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. I was just going to say, I think it's just different in the way that's like, like, do you think he's this, I mean, he's probably is pretty much this visible if somebody else wins. Um, but like, you don't think it's edited differently at all. If like, Mark wins, or if just somebody somebody else in that top tier alliance wins. So I need I need someone to explain to me like what 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 do they think? Like what do they think? Edgic on the challenges. So like, is it? Are they just showing? Are you trying to say that like they show more of the person that wins, or are they trying to say that the the person who wins they're shaping their story in a specific way on the show to make them more favorable? Is it air? I don't think more favorable is the right way to place it because you can't say that with like it's just not a consistent criteria for what they award the winner as. Like, I mean, so you, are you going to portray Ashley as more favorable when she steals the money from Hunter? No. Like, so I think you, you tell a cogent story built around who wins the season. Okay, because I feel like this has changed back and forth a couple of times since we've talked about this recently. Because I feel like at a certain point there was some, um. Like it was presented to me that this was something that they were trying to like portray them as more favorably. I think I've always said that they try to make a satisfying winner, but that's not necessarily favorable all the time. And so, how do you define satisfying? Well, I think you present a story that makes sense, that's satisfying. You don't present something that's anticlimactic. So, what actually happens? Yeah, but I had to yeah, I, I but not like because like what actually happens on the show may actually be somewhat of an anticlimactic story in the end but they would shape it around the narrative in that way to make it not like if somebody's the best so if somebody's not the best competitor and it just kind of is you know 
It's sort of a car car Marie on Vendetta's type win where they're not really in the pack. Like she's not even really the best girl throughout most of that season. Nicole is winning most of the missions for the girls. Uh, but they still present her narrative in a way that it's satisfying for her win in the end. Yeah. It's kind of like I think back to Inferno 1 where it really is the Katie show for a lot of it. You know what I mean? Like Katie doesn't – they her own team's trying to get rid of her. They, she wins these eliminations and then she winds up winning the season with her team. So like, it's a satisfying ending, even though there were probably other stories, they decided to focus on her aspect of the season more than other people. And it's all, it's also like, so we, we agree that they're, we agree that on the island, they're foreshadowing Evelyn turning, like they're having fun with that, that Evelyn eventually joins up with the guys. We see here the season where they foreshadow Rachel eventually getting back together with Jen. We think they're going to foreshadow all these things. They're not going to foreshadow who actually wins the season. I think they're just showing what actually happens, right? And like by showing what actually happens, they signal in like a in like a decent way, like who's going to win. I don't think that they always get an honest portrayal of what actually happens, though. I think you see so many post game interviews where that's not the case. Yeah, I mean, I don't really think that they signal that, like, to a significant degree who's going to win. Like, so, like, for double agents right now, do you, like, who do you think is going to win? Do you think they're signaling in a major way who's going to win this? Uh, camera, I would have camera CT as a, one of them is going to win, but I, I would be confident one of them winning. And, like, at the beginning of the season, like, that's what you were saying about Leroy, too, right? And that was, like... Not, a, um, not necessarily. I was always pretty yeah, in on uh, Cam winning. No, if we went back and listened to the first episode, you were, like, Leroy, like, is, like this, this Leroy is being edited to win. I had I said Cam. I said I remember specifically after the first episode. I said Cam basically versus the field for the rest of these women. That's what he did say. I give him that. He did say that. And I said Leroy preseason, not as the season started. No, you definitely, I came, you definitely did. We can. I said Leroy. I, I said Leroy preseason. Leroy. I might have had him at number one for my guys, but I was never that confident in him winning. It took me a little bit to get on to CT. Um. Yeah. Okay. I, yeah. I, I mean, Evan definitely does not come across as like a favorable edit thus far. No, it my, my point that I was saying is, is that I really think the people that are making the biggest waves about Evan are the people that are at the bottom anyway. And Evan is an easy target for them to focus their wrath on. That's really yeah, what this boils down. Brad to. and Landon don't seem overly happy with him here. They don't, but they're also like, I would rather work with Evan than against him. And so, I think they're looking at it as, hey, Evan, if you're going to stay in the alliance, you got to dump Paula. And he does. And so, like, I feel like after he did that, the only people complaining about Evan dumping Paula were the people in Paula's alliance. Like, that's it. So, like, I really feel like I just look at it as, okay, they're at the bottom and did what (laughs) you can make five different arguments on whether Evan dumping Paula in the alliance is a right move or a bad move or a good friend move or a bad friend move. I think, I think at the end of the day, Evan anyway, was focused on winning and he was going to do what he had to do to win. And that's what he did. It's so just funny thinking this is going to be his first one coming up here. It is. It's hard to believe he hadn't won to this point. And so I guess to tie, tie a bow on the edge of conversation, I think we've agreed, like come to agree on this before. And I think we will now. Like, I definitely do think that they will show more of some people that win, right? I do not think in any way they're shaping people to look more favorable. Um, like I, um, I just, I've, if I've said favorable in the past, that's not necessarily what I've been trying. I just think they try to make a satisfying narrative. I don't think that they do like what they do on Survivor in any way, no. and I think that that's kind of what no. I've seen some people try and present. Mm-hmm. Like I don't think that there's like it, I, I feel like essentially what people are 
what what you're trying to say is that they give the, the person who wins a higher degree of visibility, um, right? Yeah, but they're also like because like someone can be visible and not really be central to the story of what's going on. Not they being, really do try to shape the narrative or create a story around the winner, even if it's positive yeah. or negative. I'm, yeah, I'm talking about specifically for the winner. I'm not talking about anyone else. I'm talking about specifically no, for I, the winner. I, 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 you would say that they, they give them a higher degree of visibility. But I think it's more shaping the narrative like around them than just visibility. It's both. But they, they, that's the they, thing. They, they go somewhat right, so, hand in hand, but they're not directly correlated. Uh, all right. So they they try and show they give they give a higher level of visibility to what the person is thinking and about their strategy in the game to potentially win. How how they get to their win. Sure. Yeah, because their their narrative usually revolves around that. So yes. How, how else would you say that? I just I think they they shape the narrative around them. That's what I'm saying. They 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 they're like a the not necessarily the central part of the story because there's times when that's not the case on the challenge survivor or any show. Um, but they shape their narrative around how they win. So yeah, like you- Fresh Meat Two is very much that. Like Landon wins the season and he's kind of a linchpin in it, but he's barely visible the first six episodes of that season like he's around but he's not involved in any of the politics until he backstabs Wes until that happens it's all the Wes and Kenny show and so it's just a different it's a different season compared to others yeah that's the thing with Landon too like people will compare him to Jordan and that like he doesn't play the politics like he's clearly very involved in the politics I think he just portrays it's just a little bit different in how he approaches it than other people how are you going to feel about this if Cam does not win this season? I think if Cam doesn't win, but CT does, I would and look, I would I would feel confident. I would still feel like that happened, or even Amber B to a lesser degree. But I also think like like for me, like I would I, I would if if one, I would be surprised if one of the two of them, and then Amber B, if she wins, I would be surprised, but like by a little bit. If somebody not in that in those three wins, I would be pretty surprised. Uh, but like, I mean, surprises have also happen in everything. I'm not going to take one case as uh, disproving or or approving of a theory. But I think if we went back, I don't know. I just don't. I feel like I don't know if I see enough evidence. I think you're being the thing is I, th- I think you're being too locked into how Survivor does it and not seeing no, I'm that not, like like fuck Survivor. Like l- l- let's not talk about that. Like I I get what you're saying. You're you, you're you're trying to say that like they like shape the narrative around the winner like. Like to a significant degree. I, I just think I think even just from a pure like it's crazy to me that you would think that they're gonna take the person who wins the season and not try to like make that narrative of how that person was in almost any reality show. I th- I think they're gonna like try and show them more, right? And I think they're gonna try and like show their strategy. But like I don't know if yeah, I, I guess I think that. They they try and show them more and they try and show their strategy and what they're thinking. I don't think that the challenge like rams it down spe- down people's throats though. Because I feel like a lot of the time they come away. We come away completely like, like uh, I feel like in most seasons, like going into like the end of the season, like I have no fucking clues who's going to win. You know what I mean? Like I don't think that they like really telegraph their winners. Whereas Survivor, it's evident after like episode. But it's four not evident to everybody, win. dude. Like it's evident to us because we're more inside baseball on this. But like it's not evident to just everybody who's watching Survivor who's going to win. Uh, to everyone that's watching Survivor, no, definitely not. Yeah. Um, but like, it's yeah, evident- so. So it's it's evident. I would say it's evident for Survivor, but for the challenge, I don't think it's evident at all. Like to me, like I don't think it's like a foregone conclusion that like Cam or CT are going to win right now, like at all. No, but you disagree with me on the general premise of this, so of course not. But it's also yeah, like, like we also don't but have. But then, but also, then you, also, 
we're, we're going to keep doing this every season, right? So if if Cam or CT do not win this season, that's a fucking loss. Like that's that's a big L in, in the column of this, right? Yeah, yeah no, that's that's it. that's not good for it. Yeah, but I also it's think not, you can't say one thing is approving or disproving I'm, of a theory. That's and I'm not I'm not saying that, Rob. I'm saying we're going to do this every fucking season, and I don't think it's going to bear out. So last season, it was. I definitely think it was like for Johnny, yes. And then that for, was the closest to Edgic we've ever seen for the dude. Champions. You can't eat, but like total madness. You have the like the D situation, and tr- they still find a way to put Jenny in a lot of the story, even though everybody who's been around with her in the show says that she's not causing any waves at all. All right, let's let's keep going. All right, so um, Landon tells Evan um, in a conversation that he doesn't get. He, it's it's a conversation between Landon, Brad, and Evan. Landon says that he doesn't get why he doesn't cut Paula off. Um, Evan says that Paul is his friend and then Brad chimes in and says that, um, like just because Paula is Evan's friend, that doesn't mean everyone else in the Alliance should have to feel the repercussions of that. Um, and Landon in a confessional or yeah, in a confessional says that Evan is almost out of the Alliance, um, because of everything that's going on with Paula. We get to the mission for episode three, all shook up. This is a really good one. This is probably big, one of, big fan. Yeah, this, this is, is a really probably good one. Of, they need to bring this back. This is probably one of the most memorable missions from this season. Um, there are two parallel horizontal ropes suspended in the air over a mud pit. Competitors will stand over the pit while hanging and standing on the ropes. The goal is to knock your opponent, opponent or opponents off the rope and into the mud. The person that hangs on to the ropes the longest and does not fall into the mud wins. And there will be multiple heats. To shorten the heats, to TJ will make um, it progressively more difficult to stand on the ropes. Um, so the initial heat, uh, I think there's three men's heats to start and three women's heats to start. It progressively whittles down to, for the women, it consists of... It's three. They did four, four, three. Yeah. So for the... The women, it consists of... Who's in the final women's heat? It's Ruthie, Kim, and Paula. It's in a Paula. Yeah. Yeah. One thing I thought was weird with this, why do they seem to always position it where there's one person who's kind of like off by themselves and the other two are much closer together? I think what ends up happening is... I think it's just way more difficult to stand in the middle. So I think logic... Like the person that would be in the middle just moves to one side because like oh, okay. if you think about it like if you're standing in the middle then you're you have two people fighting against you whereas if you just move to one side it's two people fighting against one person um it seems like the one person typically ends up winning though which is interesting yeah i'd have to think about it um so yeah it's ruthie paula and kim um ruthie so what ends up happening is when TJ makes it progressively more difficult, the first way that he tries to make it more difficult is they can only hang onto the rope with one hand. And then after that, after a certain amount of time passes, and if you're still standing there with an opponent, um, then you can move toward your opponent and try and knock them off um, in whatever way possible. So for this final heat for the women, Ruthie moves towards Paula, knocks her off, and then she moves towards Kim and knocks Kim off and Ruthie wins for the women. Um, the guys for the men, it comes down to Nehemiah, MJ and Landon. And I guess before we get into the, the final heat for the men, Landon has a really good standoff uh, 
between Mark at the end of his first heat where it gets to the second phase where they just have one arm on the rope between Landon and uh, Mark and Landon and Mark just tell TJ they want to skip directly to the third phase um, and go directly after each other. And Landon does this move where he goes up to Mark and like uses his legs just to twist him off the rope. Um, And that's what he does here in the final heat is he goes against Nehemiah and MJ. Um, It comes down to Landon and Nehemiah and Landon uses his legs to push off Nehemiah. Landon wins and Ruthie and Landon are the people that make up the uh, selection in the deliberation. Uh, One real quick thing. The only issue I have with this mission, it should have just been phase three rules for the entire time. Yeah, I agree. I think that's fine. That would definitely improve it. Um, Yeah. And it was good anyways, but that would make it was it still better. good. That's the thing, though, is it worked. And I think with four people on the rope, it's hard to go straight to contact. Oh, I just can't even do that. I think that'd be fun. Yeah, I think the mission wouldn't take very long. I think that's what they were trying to do. Even better. Getting some footage. <laughs> even better. Let's you get, need let's more footage than you actually need so you can edit it and work with it. So I'm cool with it. I think it's fine. So in the deliberation between Ruthie and Landon... Landon wants to uh, wants to say Brittany because she, even though they're not partners in this game, is pretty much his partner for the mission. So that it comes down to pairs. Um, Brad, uh, they they randomly flash to a scene of, of Brad and Eric here, and he tells Easy that there isn't a guy left in this game that he would want to call out at this point, um, and just trying to make a point that it's already getting to be like a tough situation with the people that will go into the duel. Uh, Landon and Ruthie say that they both don't want what happened with Paula last time to happen again, where there's a large degree of unpredictability going on for the selection. Brittany is picked first, then it goes to Mark, then all the way down the line where we get some uh, drama when it comes to be Evan's turn. And there's some suspense about whether or not Evan will pick Paula. Evan decides to pick Kim and when Evan picks Kim, Paula flips off Evan. I don't think she's justified in feeling this way at all. Well, I don't know. She can she can feel however the way she wants. It's just like, you should have seen this coming. You know what I mean? Like, the alliance that you were with was very clear about what they wanted to happen and what they thought were going to happen. And I don't know. Like, apparently she thought she wasn't going to feel any repercussions for this. But it comes down to... Nehemiah, he has to decide between Paula and Brooke. If he picks Paula, Dunbar will be safe. If he picks Brooke, Davis will be safe. And he picks Paula. So Davis will go into elimination and Brooke will also go into elimination. So I, I, yeah, that, that's pretty much what it comes down to. He, he, he has to pick between Paula and Dunbar. So, so the one thing I would say for Paula here, though... Well, so the one thing is that, like, it's not like she, he picks, you know, Rachel or Brittany instead of Paul. He picks Kim. It's not like Kim's some key part of the alliance. Like, I can see where she's like, I can see you burning me for somebody last, but you're going to burn me for just this random chick who's a rookie. The thing is, though, that, like, we've heard people say that Evan is almost out of the alliance at this point. The alliance does not trust Paula. So they need this. I, to, like, I understand. But I can understand why she feels burnt by that, though. I, I don't. I don't. Like, it, it's it, Evan needs to distance herself from Paula. Th- that's what it comes down to. 
Look, I, I get, I get it, but I think we're viewing it from an extremely like game three strategic. That's only perspective. I, I think, I think from her perspective, I can definitely see why she would feel burnt. Like th- that, you're not. It's one thing to sacrifice me for somebody who has actual equity, but it's just Kim. Like Kim has no equity. At least well, it's least. not that Kim has equity. It's who Kim's going to pick up after her. Who's Kim pick up? No idea. Uh, it was a Derek or MJ, one of the two. Yeah, no, well, does she pick up MJ? I don't think she picks up MJ. I, I have to look at I think, it. No, Evan was like the last dude of the group. Hold on, hold on. Up. This is episode three, right? Okay. Uh, Kim picks up Derek. Derek picks up Jen. Nehemiah picks up Paula. Paula picks yeah, up Dunbar. This is, this is not some core part of the power group from what we see. I, I, I think what it is is the alliance would have been – like fully happy if Paula just went into elimination and went home here. They don't want anything I, to do with yeah, it. Yeah, obviously, but I'm saying she, I can definitely see why she feels burnt by that, though. I, I can see it, but at the same time, like she kind of made this bed. Like she's she she's the one that caused this issue, and Evans got it. I mean, he can be a good friend or he can win the game. Like it, it there's no you can't be both here. I, I just I, I think to say she's unjustified and feeling to some level burnt by her friend is is not accurate. I well, think I mean, Evan put her in a bad in a difficult position last week, and then this week, like he's picking a this rookie over her. Evan put her in a bad position last week. Yes. How? No, she didn't. No, he didn't. Yeah, he did. He put her. He she had already made connections in the game, and then he's asking her for this new guy who just jumped in to replace them. He wasn't even asking her. It was the alliance that was asking her. Okay, well, at the alliance through Evan. If she wants, if she wants to like go and like make some some other alliance, she can do that. That's what she did. She made one with like Dunbar and Ryan. The game changes. You know what I mean? And if she doesn't want to like change the alliance that she's in, she has to like feel the effects of that. I I I can see why she would feel burnt in this situation specifically. If if he was picking if if he was picking up like Rachel, if he was picking up Anissa, if he was picking up Brittany, that's different. Kimberly is not of equity to them at all. I don't think it would have mattered who Evan picked. I think she would have been pissed off regardless, to be honest. Or if you picked up Diem, for example, you think she's sober? No, I think it's a different situation. Kimberly's, but Kimberly's of no use to them. I, I, th- I think it's like she, she made her bed. She has to sleep in it now. You know what I mean? She, she, she decided that she was going to pick Dunbar. Like, like th- th- this is what happens. Um, and granted, she's also feeling the after effects of the last season, Johnny and Kenny saying, we're going to take Evelyn instead of you. So that transfers to this because now she feels like Evan's doing it to her. So I can understand why she feels that way. The first one was not her fault. This one is 100% her fault. Like she's in this position because of the choice she made. I actually think the first one's a little bit her. She, I, like in that, in that situation, she just didn't really provide utility at that point. Because she – so all she has to do is not pick – all she has to do is pick MJ, and she is in a much better position in this game. Like, she is, like, untouchable right now. Like, completely fine. That's all she has to do. And realistically, the list would have turned out almost the exact same way otherwise. You know what I mean? And even in this one, Evan made a great point. He's like, look, yeah, I picked Kim, but Paul is not going to the duel today. So I was able to make sure that She's she didn't very go easily, the duel. But she very easily could have gone in. Yeah, well, good. no, because Kimberly was told to pick Derek, and Derek picked Jen. Like they knew how this was all yeah, going to go. Yeah, and but Nehemiah to comes down Davis. to Nehemiah seemingly comes down to a coin flip here. Like this is not like it was locked and loaded. It wasn't, but you know, it just 
Uh, I, I think to say she can't feel burnt by it to some degree. I, I think that's she I can feel that's... burnt. She has every right to feel burnt, but she put herself in the situation. She would not have been in this situation had she made a different choice the previous episode. But I think I I'm actually that. I'm honestly more um, more sympathetic to her here than in the island. Where in the island, I think she could have should have seen it coming more. Whereas this situation, I can see where there's a lot of scrambling going on and. Like we look, we talked. There's only thirty minutes from when the people win to when they have to like make the list and get things going. Like that's not a lot of time. Um, all right, let's keep keep this going. Uh, so Davis, uh, in an er- interesting twist, decides he wants to call Evan, and then Brooke decides that she wants to call out Brittany. So both very inter- interesting choices here. Um. I don't know what Brooke was thinking, but I can understand what Davis is thinking. Yeah, just let's let's take some shots. You know, Davis, here's the thing. You're looking at the people at the top of the list. You're going to have to take them out at some point. So do you want to stay here, pick off another scrub to only get sent home next week? Or do you just want to shoot your shot and see what happens? And like the way the eliminations play out this season, they're all pretty power based. uh, But we didn't know that going in. This could have been just a straight puzzle. Uh, what do you mean power base? Like there's the there's two climbing ones. But I think upper body strength comes in very strongly. Yeah, right? like the only elimination that doesn't involve like physicality against your opponent is the the elevator thing. But even that is just massively. But like it, there's the a lot. It's a lot of upper painful. body strength, and like I, yeah. certainly Evans. Yeah, like I, but also like if he's who is he going to call out from the power group here? It's either who? him, Mark, Landon, Brad, yeah, MJ. Yeah, like who, who's, the, who's the cream puff he's taking? Isaac is their only kind of cream cuff. That's it. But he's not in that group, though. Isaac but they're is working like with each other because they're all working together. So he's not calling out Isaac. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like he's not going to call out Isaac. So it's like shoot your shot, see what happens. Is he really working with Isaac, though? Like Isaac doesn't really seem like he's like aligned with anyone, kind of. He's yeah, really but like, you're not like, getting anywhere, though, if you beat Isaac. You get to stay another week. But you're just going to go home the next week against one of these guys anyway. The, the, the thing is, like, unless you're in a position where you can, like, you or someone you're aligned with can win the missions, you're fucked. Exactly. So you've got to take out some of these top dogs. Like, I think that's his only shot. Yeah. Like, I think I, on paper, Evan was probably not the best matchup for him. But at the same time, it's like if you've got to pick a top dog, just pick one and go with it. Yeah, I think you just got to take shots. Like maybe you take Mark and just hope he's old. Like I think that maybe that's what I would have done. But I think you've got to you've got to chip away at this power group. I think if you just let them sit, like that's the worst case scenario. No, I'm letting them sit. Like I'm, I'm how going, are you just letting them sit? Like you're just gonna. I'm going, I'm going against. I'm going against Biz, Big Easy. Hopefully, I get the uh, oh, the rock climbing one. I think that's a terrible idea. Yeah, but if you get push off, you're screwed. Or push over, you're screwed. <laughs> or even, this one, this one would have been interesting to see Big Easy try to do this. I don't even know he could have fit on the platform, and I don't mean that in a mean way. It's just like Evan was having trouble fitting on that little platform. Like Big Easy, I don't know how that would have gone. <laughs> I, I think you've got to take shots at the power group. What, what is he? He's just going to sit on the side and hope he gets to squeeze his way into the three person limit uh, final when there's yeah. five of them. It's not going to work. And the thing That's is, not going to work. Devin, in a different season, in a different format, I absolutely would agree with the, like, the, you, yeah. you take somebody else you can beat because you can live to fight another day and the game can flip. With the duel... If it's like a team format where more people make the final, then okay, then you then you just kind of be on the side. But like with... There's only three people making it and this is a highly competitive format where you're going to have to... Like, what, what if he takes out Isaac, he's not going to go in next week again? 
Say that again? No, he's go he's going in every single time anyway. Because yeah. none of the people he he's never gonna be him or any of the people that are on the top are ever gonna be in power. Exactly. So, but if you take, if he takes out if if by grace of God he takes out Evan here, that uh, like dramatically increases his group's odds of winning a mission. Like yeah, something it does drop their number down a peg. Maybe they just plug Derek in in his stead, and they all go happily merrily along the way. I, I think that's a very cowardly way to think to just take out I your guess. own. Like, I mean, I think that's very. Just cowardly. In ter- he's in, he's in a terrible position. Like he he he's drawing blank here. Um, there's no way he's going to win this season unless an act of God happens. So to me, I, I think you just shoot the shot. I think you just got to, I think you guys just got to keep taking shots at this. Group so if, if, if that's the position he's in, then I guess I take MJ. Like that, that's the person that I'm taking. He's losing. I would take Mark. I, I, I would just fuck I, we, that. I would. He's never won an elimination. Like, I mean, like, look, you're not, you're not, again, we're not taking any great shots here and I can see taking MJ, but like Mark's. Like you just I want nothing roll the dice and see what happens. I, I mean, Mark is a crafty really? veteran, and everyone loves Mark, and that would piss off the house. So, like, you got to go We're with already. But he's already at the bottom. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Dude, Who right? cares? He, he, Mark Long has been in one elimination ever, and he threw one it. his whole career. <laughs> he's one. been in one elimination that he didn't even participate. He in. threw like, it he threw like it. he didn't yeah. even try. He get, he put on a good show. I, I want to. I hope in this All Star season we see him in a few. I'm just curious as to what it's going to look like. There's so much about this All Star season. I can't wait to see how this plays out. Like, there's just so much. I'm just like, mm, this is going to be interesting. All right. Uh, so Brooke picks calls out Brittany. Anissa. Davis, Davis calls uh, calls out Evan. Davis picks spot on, and Brooke picks back off for the elimination games, and. Evan says he had, he had to make this move um, and not pick Bala to regain the trust in his alliance. Mark, Evan, and Landon talk about what the elimination can be. They both think it would be some type of puzzle because this is the only elimination that they haven't seen yet, and there is yet to be a puzzle, so they think that's going to be incorporated in some way. Evan goes up to Davis and wants to not know why he called him out out of all people, and Davis said that he was always going to call Evan out. And... Nehemiah uh, tells Jen in a separate conversation that he feels like he made the wrong decision and he should have picked Brooke and saved Davis. And let's keep going down the line. Brooke talks with Paula. Uh, She talks about the game that she picked and she pretty much has conceded at this point that she's going to be bad at it because it's about the most physical game that you can get. And Brooke is not capable of doing anything physical. So, it, the last what are the moment, odds? Like a hundred to one on her? Yeah, this is not great for Brooke. How they keep bringing this elimination back? By the way, the back off me. I love. I love this one. I do too. It's a good one. Yeah. There's only pretty much like one, like less one that one elimination game that's not great. The elevator one. I, don't, Which I think, think elevator is not great. Elevator's not great. The rest are fine. The rest are pretty. I like the rest. I like all the rest, actually. I would agree. That was the one that I, I was thinking was not great. So we get And one- it's still better than a lot of the eliminations we've seen, which says yeah, a lot. Yeah, but I think with that one is you're leaving so much up to chance where somebody's chain could just get stuck and it's not really their fault. And then, like, what are they supposed to do? Um, it's all – yeah, I, I don't like that one that much. That one they definitely could have found a better one. Just just have Balls in be the fifth one. Come on. Yeah, I mean, that – I think for me, that's another one of the reasons why I, this is one of my favorite seasons. 
the, the co- competition in this is very good. And I mean, when, when, there's a certain point where Lane is just dusting everybody. But all of the missions, I think, are very, like, very good, and the eliminations are all good. Which speaks to how great Landon is. I, we, have, we barely even talked talk about him this great. In, well, in he's a, only a, won one mission so far. In, in a stacked cast, he is dusting people throughout the entire season. He's torching everybody. Nobody's like touching him in yeah. these missions. It's crazy. It, this is like, where the legend of Landon is born, really, is this season. Because up to this point, he's been good, but he's not been like dominant. Like he. Well, we, I don't think he's been given challenge. a space to be dominant. Because the only two other seasons we've seen him on have been team seasons. And That's he's never true. an elimination in Gauntlet 2. And then in Inferno 2, he's an elimination twice, but it's not against anybody who's... It's Karamo big. who was going to lose. and Yeah, yeah and like, he, look, like remember when he did the climbing mission against CT? He absolutely... Uh, uh, demolished it so i think we clearly have the equity of him being a great competitor he yeah. just uh this i mean is where, this, this is, is where, where we're gonna see it yeah this is where you see how good landon actually is at this stuff and it just it really is astounding how good he is in this season what's crazy is that like at a time in the show when like they didn't they weren't seeking so now they pick people from anywhere right if they can anywhere. find anyone anywhere that they think is yeah. good, they, they're an option to be for the show. It's incredible that when they're the population of people were so much smaller that they could choose from, right? They're only choosing from real world and road rules that they were somehow able to get Landon and CT who would like, if you took, took them that they were then and transported to them to today, they would still be like some of the most dominating people on the show physically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the thing with Landon, right? Because like CTs now and CTs now is still better than a lot of these people who are like, yeah, from they're they're picking out specifically the show from with such a wide range of stuff. So somehow in some really small population of people, they still just got two like absolute physical freaks. Um, so in the elimination, back off, Brittany versus Brooke. So this is the same, I won't go through exactly what it is again, but this is the same elimination game that Anissa and Siobhan went through in the first episode where you have to take the hook off your opponent's back and put it on the ring. Brittany uh, dominates on the first turn and dominates on the second turn. This is over and done with pretty quick. Brooke goes home. For Evan and Davis, we get spot on and we learn what spot on is. There are two 30 feet climbing walls positioned next to each other. There are holes in the climbing walls that each contestant must fill with pieces, with puzzle pieces that are given to them at their own stations on the ground. However, there are only specific, the, the, the pieces that they are given will sp- only fit into specific places within the wall. So you're, as you're climbing up the wall, you kind of have to like make sure the, the piece that you have fits in the right, right space. And the person who can complete their puzzle wall first wins. And, Davis gets an early lead here, but it's only because he takes the incorrect strategy. So Davis starts to fill the bottom of the puzzle puzzle wall first, but by filling the bottom of the puzzle wall first, he can then not use the holes where the pieces should go to climb up to the top. So he ends up having to remove pieces so he can climb up to the top of the station, and that pretty much sinks his ship. Evan took the correct strategy to this and, and blew him out, and Davis goes home. Yeah, bad strategy here from uh, Davis. Not good. Mm-hmm. Is this the last time we see Davis? That Ivy League education. No, he comes back for uh, rivals with Tyree. Oh right. yeah, man. For one Why? episode. Why are they rivals? No, they're on two. After the elimination, Evan says that uh, 
there's some conversation here. So this is like a clear cut case of them taking in a scene that happened much earlier and splicing it into now. So Evan has a conversation with Paula about why Paula isn't happy with him. And this clearly happened right after this selection. They're wearing the exact same clothes and it's like daytime, the time of day that the selection happens and they're in the house and they just took that from after selection and just placed it in now after the elimination. Why they did that, who knows? Um, It seems like it would have even just been a better fit to include it before. But Paula wants to know why Evan didn't say her name. And then after that, we get a scene of Paula crying to Jen that night about what Evan did. Nehemiah tells Brad, this is where, this is where, like, after the elimination, it's pretty much a shit on Evan for the rest of the episode. So this is where Nehemiah is in in a conversation with Brad, and he tells uh, Brad that he thinks Evan's being a bitch. Brad says that he can't defend the game that Evan is playing. And Nehemiah says that the game would be much more fair if everyone was, wasn't in it. And then the editors do this weird trick of they're showing everyone partying outside at night, having a great time, and then flash to Evan, like laying down in bed, reading a book by himself. When in all reality, Evan was probably like out there <laughs> partying with them at two. And they just, I was looking for him when they did that. Like, yep. he's not, yeah, I was 100%. looking for him when they did that. I didn't see him, but uh, yeah, I thought that was really funny. So there's that, no way that everyone was, was out partying and Evan well, was if in we, bed. If you had a guess, what is he reading there? Uh, we could probably look at it. We could probably slow it down. I don't know. Yeah, we could probably zoom I'm in. Trying to it figure probably it out. I'm hoping it's like The book. Prince by Machiavelli or something. Just something really interesting. It probably was. It was a thick book, man. He was also a business major. It could have just been some business book he was yeah, reading. He's studying up for that uh, entrance exam that got him into Cornell. No, yeah, maybe. He was a – like he studied – like I don't know if it was like a – uh, his like after I don't know if it, I don't think it was for his undergrad, but after his for some type of graduate study, uh, he like did something in like conflict resolution. That was his like one of the things that he studied in school, and I always thought that was interesting. I, I've seen some places where a conflict resolution or a major similar to it's in the business school. So. Okay, so so that's the end of the first three episodes. We this was. Somehow uh, got through it. In real time, this took us. We we got on three hours. We got on at five thirty Pacific. It is now 10, 10 p.m. Pacific. So this has now taken us uh, four and a half hours in real time to be able to to put together. If you people don't think we love doing this show, this should prove we love doing this show, despite the pain in the ass it was tonight. So good times. All right, so. We all give the first three episodes a thumbs up, right? Yeah, solid thumbs up. These are this is honestly would be like a good like stretch of episodes to show someone that has never seen the show before. I don't, yeah, I don't know if it was necessarily good. I don't know if this well, the CTDM stuff is hard, just because they don't have any background on them. They don't have any background, yeah. Yeah, I mean they they do loop you into it relatively. They they you get clued into it somewhat, but like. There's so much depth there that I think you lose a lot of it if you don't have. Yeah, if you have seen the dual one and saw their romance blossom, and then you see this, it's like, oh shit! Like if you're, if you're trying cool. to show someone CTDM, what is what do you show them? It goes dual one first, obviously first. Um, then, I mean, I guess you need to show them like freshman one where CTDM comes on, and you think to show no. them the dual. Let's no, go you dual. Just need to show you just first need episode to show of her dual taking two. off her wig from the first mission of the dual. 
you Second show CT giving her confidence. You show them kissing and then you show DM at the end saying like, I'm so much better because of you. Yeah. And I feel so much more do like we, myself. You need to show them Gauntlet 3 or can you just show them this and be like, yeah, he was just go right to this. Like skip just go right to, go right to this. And then from here, from here, it's not until X is they're back on together. Mm-mm. You, you got to show the scene in Gauntlet 3 where DM's dragging him away from Adam and CT just like punches the cactus. Remember? <laughs> He just like, oh, yeah, <laughs> like as he's walking away. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a weird one. It's a weird right. season. So thank you for listening. Uh, like we said at the top of the episode, this is going to be one of the first uh, exclusive episodes that we put on our Patreon for premium listeners. This will probably you guys get it first. It will show up on a public feed eventually. The Patreons get it first. And we can only work our way up from here in terms of uh, cleanliness of episode. So. Yeah, so so like Trey said, this will at some point be available to everyone. When that happens, who knows? Uh, but thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you again next time. Bye.